Judah and Matthew are dumpster people, and they occasionally use foul and inappropriate language. Listen at your own risk. Welcome to Brother Date, everybody. Star Trek's edition. I'm Matthew. I'm Judah. This is week 66. That's right. This week on Star Trek, a remote control Caprice Classic station wagon kills two businessmen in from Boston. <laughs> yeah, it's a, this is your projects are sort of starting to blend together, I think, a little oh, bit. It's, did I do wrong? That's the wrong podcast. Damn. Yeah. Uh, no, but this week... Um, we we should watch we watch Voyager. <laughs> yeah, you know how you know how it goes. Voyager was in last place, so we're going to talk about it first. This week we watched Worst Case Scenario. about rock and roll woo everybody remember that great song yeah everybody remembers the great late mr t experience album alcatraz it's dead right is that why you said it that way that album died the great uh, yeah the great late record that's exactly why i said it that uh, way. uh hey in this very disrespectful episode <laughs> uh they try to trick us in the teaser making us think Chaco is trying to get balana to help him do a mutiny but I remember this fucking filler episode, and I know it's a hollow program. Credits. Yeah, also it's called Worst Case Scenario. Mm-hmm. You done gave it away. Anyway, this very tricky hollow program continues after the credits, and Chaco begins his mutiny. Uh, he gives away some subtle clues that this is all a fake by only referring to Balana as Ensign, and her sitting at one of those rear stations instead of being chief engineer. And also by the fact that he... Uh, it's making a big deal about the, this being the first time Janeway's left him in command. Yes. So you know that one of two things is happening here. Either we are looking at way in the past, at some point in between the pilot and the second episode, when maybe Bellana was an ensign. Mm-hmm. Or the whole thing's a tasty fake. Yeah. <clears throat> um... Uh, lot. Uh, so anyway, uh, there's lots of shooting. Seska shows up, confirming it's a fake out. The mutiny succeeds. Uh, Chaco's giving a dumb bad guy speech, and TP just walks in on Balana's hollow program like a jerk. Yeah. Uh. Anyway, Balana explains she accidentally uncovered this program and got like real swept up in it. Um. She can't figure out who made it, and she and TP decide they better play the hell out of this program instead of reporting it to anybody. Yeah. Like, play it to fucking level 99 and shit. Yeah. Max those stats and collect all the outfits and do the DLC missions and everything. Uh, TP plays it different and tries to stop the mutiny. And then later on, like, he's chatting with Balana at lunch about the program. And Neelix says, hey, I played that one. That's a pretty good one. 
because he heard about it from the doctor. <laughs> he was like, uh, who did you support in the Civil War? I was playing as a Nord, so I kind of felt like <laughs> I had to. <laughs> and then I, but like, I, I'm really curious about like what your psychology is. Like when you're a Nord, do you support Ulfric Stormcloak or do you see him as too much of a racist? Um, so Bolana had told the doctor about it and that's how Neelix heard about it. But then Harry comes up to talk about it too. So I guess everyone knows about this great, uh, secret hollow program they found. That they all assume is a hollow novel. Yes, that's called. Right. What if there was a mutiny? <laughs> that's right, mutiny on the old, on the on the old Voyager. Uh, TP's playing it again, and as uh, Hollow TP and Janeway are taking back the ship in the program, it suddenly ends. It turns out whoever wrote it never finished it. Everyone's all fucking crazy about finding out who wrote it and how to finish it, like waiting for that Geek and Nerd's next Dragon book. Yeah. Um, Janeway brings up the program in the staff meeting even, and everybody admits they've been playing it like crazy. She wants to know who wrote it too, and Tuvok just says, hey, let's all just, everyone shut up, I did it. I'm the one. (laughs) Um, it was a tactical simulation that I guess he was designing to train security officers to combat a mutiny, like, in the early days when he didn't trust the Maquis so very much. Yep. But then they just fit in so damn well that... Uh, well, then Chakotay was, like, such a bootlicker right away. Right. That he was like, nah, didn't really need it. <laughs> so he just quit making it and tried to delete it. I guess he's not good at the deleting. Uh, TP volunteers to finish the story, and uh, Tuvok hates his ideas and is like, nah, I'm going to have to do it because your ideas are stupid. And then everybody has notes for TP, too, and he doesn't have a lot of fun writing the story. I'm not joking. These are the stakes to this point. Yep. Uh, anyway, they um, they open up the program to make some edits. And they do a whoopsie and trip a hollow program Fresca wrote when she was still around. Because, yeah. I mean, they already booked her for that scene earlier, so I guess she's going to have to be in it. <laughs> she's here all day. Um, anyway, this is filler. Again, it's a filler episode. A standard broken holodeck mess, trapped inside with no communications, no safeties, so they can be injured or killed. Uh, evil AI designed to murder them. You get it. They run around the ship trying to escape Fresca and her other hollow villains, like Torture Doctor. Um, Janeway and Balana are helping from the outside by writing new shit on the fly, like get, trying to give them weapons and advantages inside the program. They eventually trick a hollow program Fresca um, created a long time ago, and they are way too proud of themselves about it. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> Banter, banter. herself has been dead for a long time now. <laughs> they are, like, really fucking patting themselves on the back when they get out of this almost death situation on the holodeck. Like, we totally beat that hologram that was written years ago. Uh, a lot of banter, and then the episode's over. So, I know I may have colored things by constantly referring to this as a filler episode, but what was it about? Um, Everyone's a critic. I mean, that's the yep. way this show operates. Tuvok is the writers. Tuvok is a uh, insertion character for the actual writers of actual Voyager. And Neelix is an irrational actor who's trying to assert ownership of his own character. And Tom and Bolana are idiot fans, and they want them to shoot, they want to shoot in plot, wild plot twists and romance. Mm. And uh, Janeway and Seska are like network execs given uh, notes. And it's about the poor, 
put upon writers of the worst show in the franchise <laughs> by a country mile. That continues to get worse, just worse every week. And um, yeah, that sounds like it's worth a lot, though. That's not too much interpretation. Like the writers said all that, basically. Yeah, I, we'll talk about my problem with that, and I'm sure you will have many problems with it as well. But um, what? uh, so, so a have a little self awareness and realize that you guys are writing some hack shit every, and B, every week. And B, so what? Like, oh no. You don't get to do your job exactly the way you want, completely unmolested. Yeah, hard to feel bad. You can't make your great art 22 times a year yep. that you're not paying for. Uh, I gave it two points. Yeah. Um, so my problem with that isn't... I think that is what they intended. My problem with that is all of the things that Tuvok says are the things that we say. Yes, you and me. they think that they're doing a good job. Yes. That's the other thing you have to know about and this. And all of the things that TP says are the things I imagine the Voyager writers actually say. <laughs> so that's yeah, the part that like is I wild. Said, no self-awareness. <laughs> yes. Everything Tuvok said, I went, that oh, sounds familiar. Sounds like me criticizing Enterprise, actually, but also this show. Um, so I got, if you write a novel, somebody will co-opt your vision in ways that might end up killing you. Zero points. Yeah. Yeah. It was a real let's have a romp because maybe next week things get serious. Uh, ben gives it a one with the uh, take violent video games are dangerous. I mean, that may be the take of the last five minutes. Yeah. the whole, well, I don't know. I feel like they spent more than five minutes fighting, as you said, a program that Seska wrote. <laughs> Probably on the fly. Years ago. <laughs> Just for kicks, you know. De- definitely before she left Voyager, and presumably while she still looked like a, a Bajoran. Yes, yeah. Well, yeah, I don't think she wrote it the day that they found out she was a Cardi. And no, seems unlikely. She was busy. But, but by the way, she seems like she should have been too busy to do this yeah. thing. Uh, this is a real low percentage. Like, Tuvok deleted this horse shit. Yeah, it's never going to come up. And she was like, but what if they don't? <laughs> I better write. I better spend a lot of time programming a deadly AI. Uh, yeah, it's not. It doesn't seem like a good plan, but all her plans no. always seem to work. So she nailed it again. Um. Yeah. So yeah, his was worth one point on the take. Uh, he turned around and gave it a four on execution. He says, "Uh, it gets deep right away, straight to the mutiny." Uh, he says, "Old hat, really? We saw one on TNG last week. Yes, but that was a real mutiny against a fake captain. This That's was right. a this fake is different. mutiny um, against a fake against captain. a fake captain, right? The first sign that something's not right. Chaco calls Bellana Ensign. Yep, we both were on that. Uh, Seska's back, so obviously that's the real giveaway, the real honest to god giveaway. Um, yeah, he's got some problems with Hollow Chaco and how he acts. Well, Tuvok is just you know he's." He don't know nothing. He's, he spent some time with the Maki. He don't know nothing about him. Um, and then, yeah, Ghost Seska's the villain. That makes sense. Rewriting on the holodeck. Yeah, you just open it up and write it. Write, write some more stuff. It's like lucid dreaming or something. So he said it was more interesting than normal because of Seska primarily. Um, Did you agree? Do you agree? This episode went from absolutely no stakes in the first half to preposterous 
fucking cheesy canned stakes in the second half where oh no we're gonna get killed by the holodeck and i actually preferred the first half i liked Uh, it frankly me too the whole thing felt like they did not have the uh they they were not able to just stick it out and do a story about storytelling yep again it wouldn't have scored points that way either but it would have been more enjoyable than the last 20 minutes which was the weird commando escape the evil holodeck um part of the episode uh i liked the touch of tp running into hollow tp at various points in the program because he's playing he's playing just some unnamed dude he's playing um uh fucking maverick or whatever no not maverick yeah the purple-headed guy from wing commander (laughs) what was his name is that maverick uh the one with the purple hair you you you're a guy oh yeah 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 uh is Maverick? I guess the Maverick is the canonical name for that guy. I don't know it? what his name is. Anyway, um, is there any reason this became a TP episode? Like, Bellana was the one playing through it in the first few scenes. And then the rest of the episode, it's TP playing around in it. And I thought it was a strange audible. Because there's no reason it had to be TP. Now, uh, for one thing, Roxanne Dawson's a slightly better actor. Uh, I think everyone, I don't know, we'd have to check, let's check the actor rankings, let's see where we had TP, because I can only think that Harry Kim is definitely below him. Uh, I show that we have Tom Paris at, in 8th, Chicote in ninth, oh, okay. Harry Kim in 10th, right, maybe Seska Chakotay. and Carrie, but they're out because they're no longer on the show? Yes, they would probably be above, above uh, TP. Seska's most recent position was 7th, uh, was, no, with 7 points would have put her in 4th. Uh, fourth place so well there you go see so um yeah i can't um i can't disagree tom paris is not a good actor uh anyway for me uh, it was two it was filler that didn't do anything it didn't achieve anything it didn't even attempt to achieve anything uh not only was it filler but this was an obvious bottle show Mm -hmm. every set is one we've seen before. Yep. They repeat the same scenes. Yeah. When they switch from Bellana to Tom Paris. Um, that's fine. Who cares? I don't care about a bottle show if it's interesting. That's not the problem. Right. Uh, they really drag the mutiny on before revealing exactly what the gag is. But we know it has to be something. And again, yeah. the title sort of gives it away. Like... Tom Paris walking in on Bellana in the holodeck is like 10 minutes into the episode. I know. I was so surprised this thing... Sometimes I'm like, why did this go beyond the teaser? Yeah. Like, we get the teaser, and then we get the credits, and we come back, and we're still doing it? And then we do it for like two more scenes? And it's like, we know it's not a mutiny. So... I I also couldn't believe that uh, in-universe that Janeway would encourage this. Like, they're like... Anyway, uh, I wrote it. I'm Tuvok. Hey, I wrote that thing. And uh, let's delete it better, more and better, because I don't think it's healthy to have everyone play in mutiny. Yeah. I think that's going to stir some shit up. Uh, I'm going to go to the holiday and shoot Harry Kim. You want to come along? And also the thing no one says is, plus, like, it's kind of not super cool to to make holodeck versions of real people. Mm -hmm. This This has been maybe already established in universe. Yeah. And Jen was like, nah, it's good. Nah, <laughs> but we need what we need is fun. You know why? Because I'm not the captain. I'm the leader of a community. That's right. 
Yeah. Yeah, well, as we've discussed uh, recently, she's not in the show. She's not a character in the show. I haven't seen her in the show. It's been almost three full seasons. I haven't seen her in the Boy, show. Boy, there, there sure hasn't been a Janeway episode since that one where she learned a nice lesson about religion. Uh-huh. God. Yeah, when she learned not to be too judgy, I guess. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, I think so. Something Ugh. like that, huh? Maybe believing makes it so. Um, I did not need Seska striking from beyond the grave. No. And also, is she a genius level AI programmer? Dude, this is, I have so many Seska notes for an episode long after her death. <laughs> um, I think that there, Matthew, that there is a better version of this where it turns out Seska did a little too much author insertion. Mm. And uh, TP and Tuvok are able to just defeat the program. Yeah. Like, uh, if this is going to be a story about storytelling, have them defeat her on that basis too. Don't have like Janeway adding even more notes on top to defeat yeah. to this program. Her and Balana sitting in engineering being like, what if we gave him like a, a bigger phaser? And I, There was definitely a moment in in her version of the program when she took over where it was like uh, Chakotay was a little bit into her and I was like, oh cool, alright, let's see uh, Seska's weird unconscious biases defeat her, in the, but that's not what happened. No. Not at all. Uh, I gave it a three. Okay. And uh, world building. Bottle episode's tough. <laughs> it is very tough. Um, uh, ben gave it two points. He asked it is this is like he says this is like the 43rd time the safety the mm-hmm. holodeck safeties are off and human lives are endangered. Mm-hmm. And they haven't done anything about that. Nope. <laughs> they have a holodeck program shouldn't be able to turn off like that's um. That's privilege escalation? We call that privilege escalation? Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, he says, uh, also, since no emergency signal can get out, maybe there should be a hardwired telephone right in the holodeck to the bridge or sick bay or whatever. Yeah, like, in case you can't get the arch to work or whatever. He, th- he spent one second thinking about it and thought of some improvements to the holodeck that uh, 20 <laughs> years at least of Starfleet designers have not It's come no up joke. With. By the time of Voyager, I would definitely be in the camp arguing against holodecks existing on starships. Just, like, just, hey, I just don't need them. It's cool that we can, like... <laughs> Go to the beach uh-huh. in space, but it's just they uh, break so much. And but two weeks ago, spectacularly, two weeks ago, the chief engineer of one of these starships accidentally said the wrong word and it created life. Mm. So <laughs> that's maybe we just put a beach in there. That's right. We just put some sand we down. Just put, just put a wave pool on the ship or something. Like, Give it some nets. You know, we can play some volleyball. It'll be fine. Yeah, 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 yeah. Everyone will be fine. Or how about just a regular-ass rec room? Let's just take that space and make it into a tumbling gym That's where you right. can do ju- judo chops and shit on people. Kirk didn't need a, holo- a fucking holodeck. It's nonsense. He just tumbled with his shirt off. It was fine. Yeah. Um. <laughs> uh, so, world building. Yeah. Uh, I thought it was an odd time to take a look at the early days of the joint crew, like th- three and a half seasons or whatever. But I don't, I don't, I didn't hate that. But then it turned out not to be that anyway. So I'm not sure we learned anything about those chaotic, yeah, first weeks. Yes, no, I don't think you could say that you glean any new insight from that. Uh, Janeway's suggestion that it was time that they all started making some entertainment because they were going to be away for a while. 
seemed like the first concession that she's not doing a good job getting them home. <laughs> but she doesn't want to say in so many words. Yeah. <laughs> Um, the only takeaway from this is that uh, phaser rifles can be just a disaster. Yeah, don't if you they can very easily be set to backfire. Yeah, be careful with those things. They can go wrong in a way that will Melt vaporize you. you and the rifle. But not quick either. It did not look quick. Not like a quick vapor. I mean, relatively quick. It's not going to matter. You're going to be dead. Like it's not going to be a long drawn out affair. But it's not instantaneous. No, nah, it was, but it was some guaranteed disruptor stuff for yeah, sure. Yeah, like where you're where you're squelching as your body disappears. Yeah, not great. I could only see my way to giving it one point for world building. Yeah, uh, I was in agreement. <clears throat> Hollow novels, which we've seen before. I'm not sure we've talked about it. Um, you're right that they immediately come to the conclusion this is a hollow novel, I guess because it has sort of a narrative structure to it. How many of the things they do on the holodeck are considered hollow novels? Like, that, um, that fucking paradise that they go to to bone the dudes in the speedos or whatever that's yeah, not that's, a hollow novel that's not a hollow novel because there's no scenario that's just a setting right and it has characters and the characters are programmed to act in a certain way like sandrine's is not a hollow novel but it has like characters that have personalities and characteristics and stuff which horny horny's the main right one. presumably the dixon hill stories that picard is always spending one minute in are hollow novels right and he just keeps getting called back to the bridge to talk to the Harada or whatever. <laughs> to give him the klaxon, the klaxon and of so truth. He, he never gets to play the hollow novel out, but he's playing a character and there seems to be a plot. Yeah, I expect Janeway's one with the weird little kids. That's probably a hollow novel. Right. Um. So anyway, they instantly latch onto this one as being a hollow novel. I wasn't sure we'd ever even talked about them before. Um. All the stuff about writing the story while the program's still running and hidden authorship. Um. I mean, frankly, it does kind of seem like the first level of a first-person shooter. Yes. Yeah, you're you're just, cut, like, in the middle of the fucking action, and uh, you don't have a name. And right. there's just a fucking uh, real wooden yeah. dude. A real wooden dude comes up to you, and he goes... And Chicote's like, I hope you're I hope you're ready for the, the big mutiny. Real, su- like, real subtle. Uh, on the screen, it says, press the F button, and then you're like, okay. Did you hear everyone hates the captain? And then he's like, look left, okay, now look right, okay, now look <laughs> now up you know and down, and then them. it's like, do you want to invert controls? And then you go, now. <laughs> Basically, correct. Um, hey, if they're so worried about energy usage that they ration out the replicator and everything, and you gotta pay two weeks worth to get a necklace or a trombone or whatever, <laughs> why can the holodeck just run constantly like this? Mm. Just at all times, just constantly running. There's a fucking throwaway line in like week two that it runs on a different kind of energy. That they the apparently Holodeck has its own energy supply. Maybe they should work and on making the other systems run on that. Yeah, no, uh, like you would think that Bolana's first week on board the ship would have been making a new AC adapter yeah. to power shit off of the holodeck. This one that you can run things off of forever? Let's run everything off of that one. That's the yeah. one. Just go eat in the holodeck. Yeah, it don't matter. It's real. It's just made a light. Hey, guys, we're, uh, it's, we're running the most popular holodeck program on Voyager right now, McDonald's. <laughs> Everyone go eat there. People used to go here. I know it's hard to believe, but it's true. Yeah, it was a one for me. I There just wasn't anything there or anything that I thought made any sense. Um, characterization. Uh, ben gave it a three. He says, nice seeing Seska, who can actually act a little. I think a little is right. She's not going to blow anyone out of the water, but compared to these fuckers. 
no wonder they needed Jerry Ryan since Seska kicked it. Voyager has gone from mostly downhill to straight free fall. I mean, it's kind of true. I think that was the most interesting thing happening on Voyager. Um, Janeway's a fucking idiot to allow people to literally fantasize about doing a mutiny. Sure. Sure. Uh, you notice that that, that that does not end up being the problem. No. The problem is not that it's cool that people can keep doing this. The problem is, whoops, it was booby-trapped. No, dude. Even... No, no, no way anyone could have known that. Yeah, that would have been uh, more interesting. So they went th- with this direction, which was just a, a standard canned. This is dumb. I gave it a three for execution, but I'm knocking it down to two. <laughs> it's I, it's so, so dumb. It's a dumb episode. They just, like... Nothing is the result of a decision that happens in this episode. Just a bunch of stuff happens in chronological order. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Let me get into my characterization notes. TP, again, just walks in on Bellana's hollow program. I wouldn't even do that to my wife. <laughs> like, this guy's a real fucking stalker, for real. Oh, and then he says, it's not like you were... Uh, yeah, what does he say? Oiling up with a couple of Andorians. I forget what he says. <laughs> Something that didn't. I don't know, but I want that on a T-shirt. I did not want to store in my brain. I want that on a T-shirt. Oiling up with a couple of Andorians. <laughs> um, yeah, it's fucking rude. It's, don't do that. He, uh, she must have had that thing locked. Um, he and Bellana decide they'd rather play through the program than report it, because oh, and because TP is a piece of shit, he fantasizes about playing hero and stopping the mutiny. Yeah. You know, because in real life he sucks, so he wants to play it different in the video game. Uh, until he gets bored. Then he goes back to doing mutiny. Uh, TP has always wanted to write a hollow novel, and he takes on the job of finishing the program. Great. How come Hollow Kim is a better actor than regular Kim? <laughs> What's up with that? Maybe because he got notes. Maybe because <laughs> someone told him. Uh, now, try try to remember what was happening in the first, because you're playing an early version of yourself, so try and remember what that would have been like and play <laughs> him, and that's the most guidance he's ever gotten. Because when he's trying not to get shot, I went, hey, that he doesn't look like he's doing that thing he did when he got a migraine that one time. <laughs> Ordinarily, the only notes that uh, they gave Garrett Wang were... Uh, he would say some nonsense techno babble line, and then he would look over at the science consultant, and the science consultant would just shrug. <laughs> I'm glad it was up to the actor to try to confirm that too. Yep, 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 yep. yep. Um, whomever designed this program, obviously I'm writing this in real time, made it very weird. Chaco should have been leading the Starfleet side because he's 500 percent in on this Starfleet, <laughs> and why would Neelix join the mutiny and not stay with Kess? Yeah. It's weird. Um, yeah, well, by the way, I guess you learned that this is what Tuvok thinks of people. That Neelixes are a real coward. <laughs> well, we already knew if they don't get along from that whole carriage episode where they had to take the carriage up the, to orbit. The Yeah, the space elevator space, one. Yeah. Fucking, uh... You never like me, so I'm co-opting the mission! You, you, you're not nice! Alter Ego, but... Dark Isn't it called something rise. super on the note? Yeah, it's called Rise. <laughs> right. uh, Tuvok was so filled with mistrust that he designed this whole program to train the security officers to combat Maquis insurrection. Tuvok again sounded like us, criticizing the shitty ideas TP wrote, and TP is like the Star Trek writers who only care about shooting and plot twists. Yeah, but don't worry, they think they're Tuvok. Exactly correct. Tuvok and TP treat the Hollow Doctor like an electric slave and just zap him out of the room when they don't like <laughs> what he says. Yeah, that's... uh. Just, that was horrible. Just keeps happening. Just every week. Now I kind of understand why they devoted so much time to it in season one, but even the writers have given he, it up. 
He turned off. He turned off. He used a security override to turn <laughs> off Schmollis' ability to control his own program. Why is that easier than just saying, hey, shut up? <laughs> I just don't understand. By the way, that would have been great if Tuvok <laughs> had just said, hey, shut up. <laughs> Instead of computer, security override. And then he like turns off the fucking hollow circuitry or something so he can't go there anymore. <sighs> Um, Janeway thinks she's the leader of a community, and not a starship captain. She uh, has a weird concept of her job. Uh, Fresca wrote a romance angle into the program with Chaco, I guess? <laughs> it seems like it, huh? Why would she do that? Isn't this supposed to trap some Starfleet officers and kill them when they reopen this program again? Doc, I think even she never <laughs> thought that they would ever open this. So she may as well go buck wild with it? Yeah, what the hell? <laughs> Uh, I always figured the Chaco stuff was kind of a long con, but I guess maybe she had real feelings for him after all. I don't know why else she would be fantasizing about it. Yeah, who the hell knows? Is this character development, and does it matter now that she's been dead for a very long time? I don't think it does. Okay, anyway, uh, she was better at every kind of engineering than anyone on Voyager. Better at strategic planning, down-in-the-mud scheming, better at that long con. It's a shame she had that batshit idea that she was better off with the Kazon. Yeah, that was a very bad idea. That was a misstep. Because otherwise, she'd fucking ran circles around Voyager the whole time, and then again, beyond the grave. Um, <clears throat> Four points in characterization for Fresca. All right. Uh... Weird that Tuvok casts himself as the villain in this scenario. Like, every time this thing restarts, it's a Chakotay. Yeah. And the, and whoever's playing the Ensign this week going, don't you fucking hate Tuvok? Man, I hate Tuvok. <laughs> it makes you think, was his idea for this whole this whole program, was it going to be he was going to have someone act like a real dick so the Maki would approach him? Was this supposed to be a way to worm your way into the Maki? God, maybe, yeah. Because otherwise it doesn't make any sense. Because the Ensign is a security Ensign. Yeah. That Chakotay has noticed Tuvok's been riding. That's right. Yeah, you're right. Sounds like he was going to get a real Cito Jaxa angle here. He was going to... Well, he had already infiltrated the Maquis so easily, so he probably figured he could just get some rando Ensign to do it. Yeah, they never asked the question I always want to know whenever I see a Vulcan in the Maquis, which is, what are you doing here? <laughs> Why would a Vulcan be here? Yeah, did Chaco ask that? We know they were arch enemies. Seems like maybe he should have. He should have asked him. Uh, I thought it was pretty irresponsible for Janeway to encourage mutiny play acting. She must be real confident that uh, people are going to look at this as, uh, oh, isn't it funny how uh, everyone was so anxious <laughs> yeah. and laugh about it and not like, you know, we totally, we actually could still do this. You know, next she's going to have everyone play the program she wrote, where you have to stop Tuvok from giving away advanced technology in exchange for <laughs> get home, in exchange for a way home. Um, I thought for a bottle show, this one did a strangely small amount of character work. Mm -hmm. Usually that's what they're all about. This one is not so much, so yep. I gave it three points. Okay. Uh, what about some quick ones? Yeah, I probably got a couple. Uh, ben... Uh, opted out. I don't blame him. Uh, how are they going to even attempt to make this mutiny talk something in a world where Chakotay wants to get it wet? Ah, <laughs> uh, holodeck. Holodeck, that's what it ended up being. Yeah. 
And then uh, I was very, I was uh, frankly insulted <laughs> that we had to sit through a seminar on storytelling from this show of all of them. That's why I described it in my first sentence as this very disrespectful episode. <laughs> yes. <laughs> At every turn, it was insulting us. Uh, and then, uh, yeah, we get a little elementary dear data to go along with our hollow pursuits. Mm. So thanks for mixing it up, idiots. I gave best actor to Seska and worst actor to Hollow Janeway. Oh yeah, she was. She was tough not guy. Great. Hollow Jane. <laughs> That's right. Uh, I only have a couple too. Yeah, let's have them. It was nice getting a look at those bad, dumb science stations in the back of the bridge, because again, that's why I imagine sitting all the time. We don't usually see them on Voyager, but just chilling back there and going, "Uh oh, Tuvok Chaco's giving you sass." It is true, and you know what else we got a good... Well, we'll talk about it, I guess, but we get a good look at the different stations on the Defiant this week, too. Yeah, I like to see that stuff, because I like to imagine myself in Starfleet, but not as a captain. No, just at Science 2, the title of the last Star Trek episode we did. (laughs) Just as Guy. Guy in the back. Um, No, that was it, actually. I just had the one note. Well, uh, in... We actually had a tie for third place last week. Yes. Oh, no, that's not true. We had a tie for second place. In f- in fourth place last week uh, was the original series. This week we watched Wink of an Eye. That must have been a weird day for the orchestra, huh? <laughs> Yeah, they just finished doing Victory at Sea, and then they came in and they said, all right, this is the new one, and they all went, hmm? <laughs> what? <laughs> let's go back to, let's do the other, I want to do some more takes on that great fucking Battle of Jutland fucking one we were doing. Uh, Scotty gives the opening log entry, because Kirk and the away team are down on the uninhabited planet of Skalos, answering a distress call. But there's nobody there, uh, even though Uhura can see them on the view screen. Hmm. And there's no life of any kind, but Kirk can hear the buzzing of insects. Yep. And then uh, the red shirt they brought down with him, Compton, winks out of existence right in front of McCoy. So they do what you would do. They beam right back up to the ship. (laughs) Fuck, forget that guy. That guy, he's just one of the many guys we're going to lose this week. We all know it. Let's not pretend. And, uh... And, and uh, Kirk wants to watch a, re- a taped replay of the uh, of the distress call they were getting. Right. And uh, he and Spock reach the conclusion that uh, maybe that was also on tape. Yeah, this episode does a lot with tape, and it almost seems like the characters had never heard of it. And don't worry, they say the word tape a bunch of times. Mm-hmm. It is clear that that is the medium they are envisioning. Mm-hmm. Is some kind of tape. Yeah, there's a lot of speeding up and slowing down of tape in this yeah. one. Uh, Kirk heads down to sick bay for an examination. Oh, but I'll, they're having a bunch of weird control failures that they don't take seriously, even though it is always serious. Uh-huh. I, it must be that every time we don't see Enterprise, yeah. like on all of the missions they were just completing before this episode started, they're having control problems. That's the only thing that makes sense. Yeah, otherwise you would, because in every episode it happens, and then it's always a big deal. So you're right. It must be happening off screen as well all the time. That's why yeah. they are never any the wiser. Right. Uh, and when, anyway, Kirk gets down to uh, to sickbay for this examination. And as always, 
Nurse Chapel has noticed something and Dr. McCoy doesn't want her to talk about it. <laughs> and this time it is that all of the medical cabinets have been rifled through. Didn't he specifically ask her to tell the captain? It seemed like he didn't want to talk about it. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> He's like, tell, tell the captain what you told me, because I don't actually, I wasn't paying that much attention. Um. Anyway, Kirk hears that damn buzzing again. Yeah. And he says, uh, what's going on here? Am I hallucinating? Um. But they all hear it. And furthermore, it's popping off. They call up the bridge. Spock tells him, hey, some kind of alien substance is being pumped into the life support. Oh, shit. There's a force field, so they can't. Uh, they can't reach the life support area. And then when they get there, there's a device hooked up that they can't touch. Yeah, they get a little uh, Their phasers get, get all z- pulled out of their hands. Yep. Um, more buzzing. And uh, then Kirk gets roofied. Yep. He gets uh, he goes over and picks up a, a coffee from some yeoman. He flirts with her in a weird way, too. I didn't write down exactly what he said. Yeah. It was kind of the equivalent of, is this coffee for anyone? Or, uh... <laughs> just hey, hands- I'm the captain. Just handsome here. captains. You look new. Yeah. Um, anyway, he gets roofied. Everything uh, slows down on him like he like he ate bad drugs. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and now he can see the woman who was in the distress call, and she is horny for it. Real And real horny in a way that makes him horny. Yeah, well, she, well, first of all, she's only wearing half an outfit. Yeah, she got, like, one pant leg. The le- specifically the left half. <laughs> yes. And <laughs> her right arm and leg are bare. Yep. And a section of her right torso as well. That is his thing. And he's into that. It reminds him of that robot. Uh-huh. Um, and also, she kisses him a lot. And later she tells him that she was kissing him while he couldn't see her, too. So, you know. Yeah. All of that. <laughs> yeah. Um. Her plan is to keep Kirk to be the king of the uh, fast people because they are all moving in in an accelerated fashion. Hmm. And that's why the Enterprise people can't see them. And anyway, he's going to give her fast babies. Yeah, he is. Uh, He's going to give her fast babies fast. And their plan is really... She tells him that sooner or later Enterprise is going to stop looking for him and move along. But it doesn't take him too long to to figure out that that actually they're going to put all of the crew members into a deep freeze. Yeah. And, uh, you know, keep them as breeding stock, I guess. Because uh, uh, Compton, who was captured by them, gets a weird scratch on his neck fighting uh, fighting this, uh, this old girl's lover. Mm-hmm. And he dies right away from cell damage. Yeah, he looks all old and, and decrepit. So uh, there's kind of a... There's kind of a limited lifespan for these people once they get sped up, and that's why they're going to put the crew on ice. Yep. Uh, so uh, the, this lady's name is Dila, and uh, the main guy, his name is uh, Rail or something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, they got some kind of weird uh, open relationship. Uh, which Rael's... we should have known because he's got a collar on. But it's true. He's uh his his shirt has got a wild collar of its own mm-hmm. and that wild neckline and then he is wearing a collar. A silver it collar. It is true. Yeah. Um anyway, they're in a weird open relationship but he's real jealous about it. Yeah. And uh she's real into Kirk, so Kirk kind of gets a wide latitude to like fuck with stuff and leave messages for people on the computer mm-hmm. and 
and so on and so on. She likes it a lot when he's doing mischief. She does like it a lot. Anyway, uh, when Kirk ran into Compton, he was like kind of pee whipped. Mm-hmm. And uh, eventually, Kirk starts acting pee whipped so that she thinks he's not a threat. Yeah, but this is disrespectful too because we already know better. <laughs> we know he's not pee whipped. Yep. It's fucking Enterprise has got his fucking card. Uh, the message that he planted gets to Spock. Spock has worked out that their time, the people are time accelerated in a scene where he stands on the bridge and keeps speeding up the tape. <laughs> and then it makes a buzz. It speeds up so until fast. It makes it's a buzzing, a buzzing noise, which I guess is close enough to the one they've been hearing. Yeah, it's like, because oh, he doesn't have a computer do an analysis or anything or try to record the buzzing and slow it down. No, he just uh, stands on the bridge and speeds it all up. And because um, this is Star Trek, McCoy whips up an antidote right away yep. for the substance that has Kirk all sped up. So Spock drinks some of the Scalosian water so that he gets accelerated. Mm-hmm. And he uh, he goes and, and finds them. And they uh, steal weapons and shoot rail and destroy the device. Yep. And... Uh, and then Dila pleads with Kirk, and she's like, listen, we gonna die. There's six of us left. Yeah. And if you send us back to that planet, we're going to be gone. We're, it's going to happen soon. Yeah. And so Kirk sends them back to the planet to die. What are you going to do? Yeah. <laughs> and then he drinks the antidote so he can go back to normal time. Right. Well, he ain't going to die. And then in a weird scene... Spock stays accelerated and fixes the ship like Kirk's uh, Roomba. <laughs> yeah, he just goes around at high speed and fixes everything. <laughs> and then suddenly reappears once the ship's all better. Yes, at no point does anyone say we should do this every time we need to make repairs is make everyone speed yeah, up. Yeah, yeah. Or we should this find incredible a way. Techno- incredible piece of technology. Or, Doctor, since it takes you three minutes to whip up an antidote, maybe you can do it for the fast people, too, so they can slow down and live in regular society, and then they won't have to kidnap anybody, and then they won't die. Yeah, you know, she... There's a the moment where she's in the transporter room with them, and she's like, I, you're going to send us down there to die? You know, you're going to be trapped in, in this time, too. And Kirk looks at Spock, and Spock like gives him a nod, like, don't worry about it. I've got an antidote <laughs> right here. And then Kirk sends him down to it's die. So and it's just fucked. like, hey, wait a minute. It's so fucked. How about drink some of this antidote? If it doesn't work on you because this is your natural state, I'm sure we can find something. But nah. Yeah, at least it's something. Nah. Uh-huh. Nope. No, instead, Kirk's sitting on the bridge, uh, looking at a still from the view screen that Uhura's put on so that he feels bad about it. Mm-hmm. Well, he did uh, nail that chick, so. Yeah, he does sex her. Mm-hmm. Uh, which you know in the normal Star Trek way, we come back to them and he's putting his boots back on. Yeah, which is how I know somebody else didn't have sex this week. We'll That's get right, it. We'll they would have showed it. <laughs> um, anyway, he looks at her face on the view screen and says goodbye and leaves. Yep. Goodbye, you're so going to die you. soon. What um, was this dang episode about? Uh, I was either going to do a very pessimistic, sarcastic take or a no take, and a no takes less work. <laughs> so I gave it zero. <laughs> I see. Look, it wasn't about anything. I mean, it, there are maybe things you can draw from it, but they were not intentional. The writers weren't trying to say anything. They thought, wouldn't it be cool if everything was all sped up or slowed down? We could do some effects. Like, we can do the thing where everything's in slow-mo. We can use our slow-mo camera for the first time. Like, it'll be fucking boss. Like, check this shit out. 
It wasn't about anything. I and we talked yeah. offline about what your take is, and it's very good to draw those things out of it. But I don't. I'm not sure that's what they intended because then they would be wild people. I guess that's probably true. Um, Ben's take is uh, life in the fast lane. Am I right? <laughs> By the uh, way, he says. So- okay, I was. Gonna, I read that it was a three. I didn't read the rest of it. <laughs> Uh, he says something about abuse of power over helpless people. Maybe about how that can come back and bite you in the ass. Yeah. Uh, maybe. Uh, so, I mean, I sort of agree with you. This is not a Star Trek episode with a clear message to send. Yeah. This is a, this is a what if. What if there were people that lived like hella fast? Like so fast that it sounded like there was buzzing. That's how What fast. if we were just like coexisting with people, but they were moving so fast that we didn't even know it. And it's like every time you hear a whine or like feel a weird presence or yeah. like feel like someone's touching your wiener. What if we're really like trapped in the matrix? It's essentially. Uh, yeah. So my cooked take on uh, all of this progress is leading us somewhere unnatural. The Scalosians, the key trait is that they, they're the they're fast right all this speed 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 Mm -hmm. and they are irradiated and sterile and they're gender swapped and they're sex positive and they're gonna kill us all all the things that people in the 60s were quite afraid of yep this is a this is one of the tos episodes that is afraid of the 60s and i hate it i gave it two points yeah it fits in very well with uh computers are here to take our jobs um all the other things that they were very worried about things they were not worried about proxy wars no, the brush wars the, of Southeast Asia, of South Asia, which had to happen. That's the only way. It's uh, the only kind of war you can fight. It's, uh, it's ir- frankly irresponsible not to fight one. But computers, I mean, that's the bad stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right. Uh, Ben's a three on execution also. He says there's a silly love triangle that Kirk doesn't care about. <laughs> yep. A lot of pantomiming. Uh, and as usual, they do nothing at the end and let those people just die of old age. Yep. Uh, so, um, it's true. you know, uh, it's true yeah, and I so, love it. Here's the thing. This episode has so much slow-mo and so many Dutch angles yeah. that I have to give them a couple of points for trying to do a cinematography. Oh, absolutely. I even think the slow-mo like, looks good with the remaster. Yeah. I, I thought think it, it does too. It looks pretty interesting. And, like, there are a couple of scenes when Kirk is moving around when everyone is just trying to sit as still as they can. Yeah. And, honestly, it's not even that distracting. There's an unfortunate shot where one of Uhura's earrings is, like, wildly swinging around (laughs) while she's trying to sit perfectly still. Yes, and then, obviously, anytime D. Kelly's on screen, you just feel bad because he was already so old he couldn't sit still. (laughs) He's got the fucking jangly shakes. But it, frankly, mostly works. Yeah. Uh, ultimately in this episode, Kirk lets these people die and I don't think he has to. Yep. And so that's not great. And then the sexual politics in this one are kind of a thinker. Yeah. This is a breeding stock story and usually those are straight trash, but like, uh, there's the open relationship stuff and, yeah, the uh, that part of it, the open relationship part, is like the plot of every art house movie, isn't it? Yes, basically. We have an open relationship, except I'm also very jealous. Right, yeah. Uh, no one thinks at all about the fact that she has been touching him while he can't see her. No, again, these are the things that turn him on. He's a <laughs> just weirdo. Goes by. If someone came up and to you and they were like, You didn't even know it, but I was touching all your junks. 
Would you be like, oh, fuck yeah. Or would you be like, what are you talking about? Yeah. What? Um, <laughs> they leave a lot of stuff unexplained in this episode, though. Like, what made Compton turn? Yeah. How Kirk knows how he's supposed to act when he's faking that he's been turned. <laughs> yeah, he saw Compton like for he one half second. He hasn't seen anybody second. really do <laughs> yeah. that. Compton's like, oh, yeah, I fought him for a while, but then... Uh, that lady. I don't know. I met a girl. Yeah. Sexed me so good. What was and, I supposed to do? Which, by the way, is something Chekhov could have said to Kirk without having been turned. But apparently Compton, more reliable than Chekhov. Was Chekhov in this episode? Nah. I think Compton just oh, I mean, there was place. a shot of his head from behind when they reused some footage. You know. Yeah. He's a, so he's in the episode in that sense. Right. Yeah, he was the Chekhov stand-in. That would have been Chekhov if he was in this episode. Yeah, so uh, I gave it as many as four points for execution. Yeah, I was pretty close. I gave it a three. Uh, a lot of slow-mo work. I'm guessing it's because they thought it looked neat. Um, even though it's dumb that they speed up and slow down everything, like they're all they're using is fucking audio tapes in the future. Uh, one, it's consistent, because we know they use tapes. They're always talking about it. Put in that, that tape. Put in that computer tape, Put in et cetera. The tape. Yeah. Um, and two, it was still kind of neat how they uncovered the truth behind the high-pitched buzzing sound and put it together, even if it took some uh, Spock-level supposition <laughs> from Spock. Spock does say, I know what's happening, and goes to the bridge. <laughs> yeah. Now, by the way, it does not explain what's happening to McCoy. No, they never just heads do. Right, right for the bridge to do his little tape thing. If Kirk was there, he would have gone, me too, and then they would have just nodded at each other, and then six scenes later, they would have described what was happening. Yeah. Um, since there was no real message or issue to explore, it was just plot, and honestly, at times I was a little bit sleepy. So it was, uh, it was just a three for me. Uh, world did you uh, did you find a lot of world building points to give it? Uh, ben and I each gave it two points. Um, ben says uh, civilization of s- seven on the industrial scale. I, uh, I had that too. The little plastic discs that go in the computer are tapes. That's uh, we've covered that in some other episodes. Uh, it wasn't it wasn't clear, but just drinking this crazy water does the trick. Very little world building is what Ben had to say. Um. <clears throat> I guess seven on that industrial scale is supposed to be pretty high, by the way. Right, yeah. Um, this away team has no training of any kind. That red shirt in the back blinks out because he's just drinking from the fountain like an animal. <laughs> hey, we got a distress call on this planet. It's totally uninhabited and the people aren't around. Yeah, some weird <laughs> shit is up. We have a handful of fountain water. God, I'm fucking thirsty and this fountain looks great. Like, I saw him do it. In the background, before I knew he was going to blink out, because I did not remember anything about this episode, I saw him putting the water all over his face and drinking, and I was like, bro, what are you up to? This is not one of the more memorable TOS episodes. So I guess the away teams need to be trained a little bit better. Um, These Scalosians? Scalosians? I don't know what to call them. Um, Their weird high-speed existence and their weird breeding problem... It seemed like getting fucked in this altered plane is what makes you brainwashed, but it's not clear, because, like, dude's like, I met a lady, and then I've stopped fighting, and then Kirk, again, somehow knows, probably from a scene that was deleted, (laughs) that as soon as he bangs this chick, he's got to pretend like he's, like, totally mellowed. Right. Um... But however he learns it, he does it perfectly credibly. Yep. Just like he knew Gorgon's name. (laughs) He... He's, he's because she's 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 just on the communicator telling him, all right, the captain's not a threat anymore. 
And then she's like, I liked you better when you were mischievous. We will go to Marcus 12, where we will meet all of our new friends, a million friends that will join as us As you believe, there. so shall you do, <laughs> so, so shall, shall you, you do. do. So as you believe, so shall you do. That's what we should say to sign off on each episode. Um, <laughs> as you believe, so shall you do. So shall you do. Uh, I couldn't really come up with much else, because nothing that happens in this episode is ever going to matter again. So it was just the two for me. But not only do I agree, I only give it one point. That is fair. The fact that they have an industrial scale Mm -hmm. that they classify civilizations on and that Spock tells Kirk it's a seven and Kirk doesn't say, I don't know what that means. (laughs) It would be great if he did. So, yeah, uh, this one is not concerned with world building. No. And um, is it concerned with characterization? Ben gave it a three. And says everyone does what everyone does. I mean, he's not wrong. Um, I, Kirk and Spock think at more or less normal speed this time, which is probably fine, but I'm used to their instant guesses. Yeah. Kirk lets a race die off, <laughs> even after he asks them if they've tried science and science brought him back from their condition. Yes. Yes, by the way, and that's why when I saw Ben write, everyone does what everyone does, I looked at it and I went, I mean, it's not wrong. <laughs> this is true. I mean, this is exactly what Kirk would do. He also leaves Spock to clean up the ship in accelerated time, <laughs> though I don't think they were on any sort of clock. No. Uh, at least there's not the one millionth Spock-McCoy argument after Kirk disappears. Oh, yeah. And frankly, characterization's not the worst part of this episode. I gave it as many as three points. Yeah, as you know, I'm over. Um, me and D. Kelly are done professionally. <laughs> based on what that guy's been up to in previous episodes so i'm also glad that didn't happen this week uh yeah captain scotty again he doesn't do much um kirk uh kirk seems to forget all the shit that has happened to his crew when this lady shows up because again she's only wearing one pant leg which does it for him and he he gives a weird riker smile at her when he sees her <laughs> jesus christ hey can we this week's episode's probably going to be called riker smile right? <laughs> so hold on let me take a note um all right um he doesn't even really try to like he's so cocky he doesn't even try to hide his deceptions when he's like trying to resist the takeover he's just like he's like why'd i run away uh i don't know i panicked i guess maybe Well, this woman has given away all of the power by being wildly horny for him (laughs) from the drop so since that's his main source of power anyway yeah he probably was feeling Pretty cocky. She's like, why did you run away? He's like, I don't know. I, I was panicking. I guess. I don't know. And then she's like, oh, the transporter's broken. And he's like, yeah, oh, the transporter. Yeah, I don't know. Anything could have happened. I don't know. <laughs> it's like, what the fuck's happening? Uh, we've been having malfunctions uh, with the transporter. They said something about power. So I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Your guess is as good as mine. And she just looks at him like she knows 100% that he's lying and is so charmed by it. Uh, again, he definitely nailed this chick. Then he pretends to be brainwashed, but of course he's not. We already know he's immune to such things. And then, yes, he beams them down there to die with a real, not my problem, kind of thing yeah. going on. Like when the lady in the pilot said that she was too ugly and couldn't journey with them anymore. And Captain Pike was like, <laughs> yeah, I know. I get it. I can see you. You're pretty ugly. I understand. And, I know how you feel. And then the other people were like, hey, what happened to her? And he was like, she couldn't come with us. Too ugly. And they went, okay. Um... Yeah, I think a three is fair. I think it's a three. 
Would you like to favor us with a few quick hitters? Yeah, again, I already talked about the dude in the background. Just fucking... Like, bro, do you think you aren't going to wink out of existence like that? By just drinking some water I on just, Planet Distress Call. I couldn't... I, I had to... Actually, I did have to rewind the scene after that because I was so lost trying to think about what that guy was up to that I missed what, everything <laughs> that came after it. Um... Was this lady supposed to look kind of emaciated and used up in the 60s, or is this another HD problem? It's a, it's a fair question, because this uh, this is a slender woman, mm-hmm. and it shows in her face a little bit. Yeah, she looks like she's maybe got some bags, like she's like she's had some hard times. And I don't know if yeah. that's part of the character, because they they've been having some hard times. I don't think 60s Star Trek would do that. I mean, they probably had a hard time finding an actress who was willing to... Uh, essentially risk <laughs> slipping out of that outfit yeah. every what if she was four minutes what if she was german or swedish could they find her then yeah but then <laughs> then it would have been a lot like the ladies in mud's women yes who couldn't dance or do anything and, um and this woman could at least read that's true yeah her performance actually wasn't any wasn't bad no, her performance was fine was... uh worst actor candidate for me dead eyes compton yeah, he did not bring anything to this one, huh? Never emoted, even when he was getting beat up. Um, Rail looked like a tall Ed Harris. <sighs> yeah. With a bad... Oh, like, yeah, someone yeah. had a Caesar haircut, yes. but their hair got wet, and it was like... <laughs> and they had real seas. fine hair. It's called so a wet seas, you can get it. <laughs> yes, he hit a wet seas. Well, I guess that's probably going to be the <laughs> name of this episode. I was already now. ahead of you. <laughs> uh, except Caesar spelled weird. That's going to be a tough one. All right. Um, yeah. Uh, let's see. This lady adored Rail when she was a child. Oh yeah, that's another weird aspect of this. How much older than her is he? That's bad. She yeah. shouldn't do that. Uh, he was grooming her, but there may already have only been eight or nine of those people left. So like, they had to make some. Oh, they had to call an audible. <laughs> Yeah, I think there was a lot of audibles going on. <laughs> there was there. an audible stash. Hold on. Also, all of the men are sterile. Oh, yeah, that's right. <clears throat> so then he shouldn't have been doing anything with her. Uh, they didn't say he was impotent. No, what I'm saying, like, so if she was a child and he can't even breed with her, then he really shouldn't have been doing it with oh, her. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, <clears throat> still got to have friends. Like we said, an audible on stash. That happens sometimes. Um... <laughs> this chick is so turned on by Kirk's resistance, again... She almost lost her whole labia in the transporter room when he's telling those transparent lies about the fucking transporter. Um, I was hoping Spock would explain the camera angles on the replay of Compton disappearing, but he, he didn't. Oh, yeah. He didn't this time. Right, all of a sudden, they zoomed in on him. So you could see McCoy and then Compton in the background. I was like, Why they just use the shot from... Uh... From earlier in the episode. <laughs> yes. Now, again, in TOS, they've talked about that stuff in the past. They've put it in the show, but not this time. They didn't bother. Yeah, I guess they were. That was when, in the beginning of the show, when they were like, we would never do something so lazy. That's right. And now, and they're then on now this, it's they're just like, well, but it turns stretch. out we would. They're like, well, can we just get out of this? Can we be done? Uh, Once again, old man D. Kelly can't stand still like a frozen man. So don't ask him to do it anymore, please. It's embarrassing when he has to stand still because he shakes like a leaf. That's it. What about you? Uh, yeah, just a few. Uh-oh, is dangling earrings, giving the game away on these shots. Yep. Another wild outfit brought to you by Tits in Space. Mm-hmm. 
Oh, is this the sabotaged episode? Oh, it's, was this the one? Did he say it? He did say uh, sabotaged. I missed but it. But I don't know if this is the one with of the famous blooper. You say sabotage. I say sabotage. That's a thing a reasonable person says in an argument. It was quite delightful kissing you when you couldn't see me, she says. Is there even lip service paid to why they can't use the drug McCoy invented to free the five Scalosians and bring them into the real world again? Because Kirk seems to know Spock has a way out before he sends her down, so I think he's a genocide at this point. (laughs) Hey, uh, Burned had this as one of his ten best. Yeah, I don't. I and, often don't agree with Burned, and my the, my normal review site liked it too. I disagree. <laughs> our our metrics disagree. Yeah. Uh, I gave best actor to Dila because she makes her way through some real clunkers. I don't. I don't disagree with that either. I think she was the best. And like you, worst actor Compton. Just horrible. Uh, shit, did Ben have any quick hitters on this one? Mm. Kirk is fighting uh, Rail with a pillow. Yes, at one point, Rail's trying to hit him with stuff, and Kirk literally picks up, like, a big, long sofa cushion pillow thing. And he's yes, using that he to, to guard himself. He has to prevent cellular damage. So, this is the stakes of this fight are he can't get scratched or he'll die. Yeah, but he doesn't, I guess he couldn't find anything hard to defend himself with. He's like, yeah. I better use this pillow. Well, they weren't in engineering, so he couldn't get one of those, uh, Transporter pipes. Lexan engineers I mean, uh, engineering pipes. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, he didn't like Kirk's pun. I found it an accelerating experience. Was that before or after he genocided? Oh, that's after. Okay, good. I'm glad he saved the pun yeah, for yeah. afterward. You know, that's um, he's just blowing off steam at that point. Yeah, it's a coping mechanism. <sighs> Tied for third place last, second place last week. Yeah, yeah. Was uh, was Enterprise. This week we watched Harbinger. I'm getting a little sick of hearing that, frankly. (laughs) I was sick of it many years ago. (laughs) There's no scenario... At this point in my mind, in which Voyager overtakes Enterprise. I mean, they're behind by a lot. It's not close. Uh, before Enterprise drops out is the trouble. Yeah, I don't, I don't see like how it they've got, they've got, you know, just about 30 episodes to catch them. Yeah. Trip is using his sexy neuropressure techniques on a Lady Mako while discussing the pissing contest between uh, Reed and Major Hayes. Mm-hmm. She gives him a little kiss before she leaves. Great. So that's happening. I'm glad you didn't say it starts with a foot, because it starts with a foot. It did start with foot stuff. <sighs> Frame one, feet. Yeah, it does open on feet. Jesus Christ. It doesn't actually linger on them very long. I think that the foot is a misdirect, so that you're supposed to think it's T-Paul. Cool, but like I don't know T-Paul's feet from anyone else's, so like... No, I think that's what they're counting. <laughs> it's like, I don't want to see like, it. Only Quentin Tarantino was like, that's not her foot. <laughs> that's what I was going to say. Like I was going to go, oh good, it's T-Paul. <sighs> anyway, uh, Enterprise is uh, making the multi-week trip to Degra's uh, colony. Mm. So we're still, that's where we are in this. Yeah, that means I guess this one's going to be filler too. And uh, yeah, I guess. And uh, 
Major Hayes, who leads the Makos, wants to put the senior staff through some training drills because they're coming up on the end game here and they expect there to be some fighting. Does that make anyone on the ship an Insano in any way? That idea. Does anyone become an Insano because that guy has that idea? <laughs> well, it shouldn't because that idea seems so normal and reasonable, huh? Yeah, but I mean, it wouldn't, but, is, um, is there going to be a plot? Unfortunately, Reed is on board. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And he tells Archer that he doesn't think much of Mako training and techniques because it's all based on simulations and they've been out actually fighting aliens, like, basically every week because of Archer. Yeah, he should have said because of you, sir. But um, but Archer insists, and by the way, everybody knows it's horse shit and that Reed is just being territorial. Yep. And like a little tiny baby. I mean, he's he is on one so bad in this episode, it was hard to watch. Uh, now Phlox, who is kind of the ship's busybody, yep. calls T-Pole down and tells her, hey, uh, Trip has been giving neuropressure to Corporal Cole and it's given her headaches. One of my patients, who I should be discreet about talking about their medical stuff, has been giving medical stuff to one of my other patients who I should be discreet about, <laughs> but I'm just going to give you both of their names. So anyway, you got to talk to him. Because, uh-uh. Yep. And also, uh, maybe you should start rubbing on her, because I like to think about that scenario. <laughs> That's essentially what I assume says. is what is happening here. Uh-huh. All right. Uh, boy. <laughs> so at this point, they run into a weird space anomaly. Uh-huh. Good. It's a bunch of goo bunch of orange goo it's a, made of a bunch of these anomalies glooping around in space are they all gooey i don't even know how it works it's orange and gooey i don't get i mean it. like i'm saying are all no nah, previously gooey? they have been invisible yeah these ones are visible they're gooey uh there's a pod inside yep. hold on i need to sneeze okay yeah they're they're a pod inside and they detect that there's a dude in it maybe he is uh such it's such as dude shaped this pod and there's a dude in it and they gotta bring the dude up but they got to get a hold of the pod first, so they use the stupid grappler or whatever. I don't know. Yeah, there's a bunch of dumb special effects about it. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, the they pull the pod out. None of the poisonous gas that was going into the ship does anything or means anything. Uh-huh. They, uh, they crack this thing open. There's like a lizard guy in there. Yeah, one of them lizards. You know. I thought it was a straight Sulabon, but it isn't. Some other different guy. Uh, anyway, this dude is angry that they rescued him. And he wants to go back. But also he's dying, and Phlox doesn't think there's much he's going to be able to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, T-Pole works out that the space wad is equidistant from five spheres. Mm. They're probably making it, and it swallowed a planet, and maybe it was Lizard Man's planet. Oh. They, uh, we start this training. We start this training of Hayes's, and T-Pole's distracted by her jealousy watching Trip and Cole. Yep. And Reed gets in a big argument with Hayes because uh, Travis gets a bloody nose and he thinks this is too intense, this training sessions. Yeah. T'Pol uh, and Trip start to talk about Cole, but they get interrupted uh, because they discover that the pod is made of the same stuff as the spheres. So, Oh, what? Yeah, 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 yeah. So now Archer thinks this old boy he's a canary for whoever built these spheres and he's been sent here to find out if they d- made the expanse good 
I don't think Archer's got a handle on Archer, it, frankly. Archer's so dumb, it's crazy. <laughs> Just in so, real time without remembering anything that happened with us. That's not it. So he gets real 24, and he has Phlox bring this man uh, back to consciousness for questioning. Starts withholding pain medication, mm-hmm. uh, etc. The man now claims he was a prisoner from a transdimensional realm, and he agreed to be subject to this experiment in exchange for his freedom, etc., etc. The experiment of putting this guy in a pot inside of that goo. Right, yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, T-Pole has uh, Corporal Cole over to do neuropressure on her, and she gets to hear about how great a guy Trip is, mm. and how they're from the... He's fr- She's from the town next door, and they went to rival high schools, mm. and he likes catfish. All the stuff she likes about yeah, him. He has big arms. He's got big arms. or No, I think she just says no, great he's arms. He's got great arms. Great arms. Cool. That's what she's into, arms. Mm. Uh, anyway, she really likes him. And... Uh, and meanwhile, Trip is talking to Reed... And Reed's like, hey, everybody knows you're fucking Corporal Cole. Yep. And then he's like, but I'm, I'm not even, though. And then he's all, well, anyway, we also all know that you're fucking <laughs> T-Paul, so uh, I don't know, man. Work it out. <laughs> now, it wasn't clear to me whether those things were true or whether Reed was being a dick because Trip was kind of a dick to him first about that, that Mako thing. Yeah, Trip was like, you're being the king of babies. Yeah, he was right. He was 100% right, but Reed took it personal. So I wasn't right. sure whether that rumor was actually going around that he was fucking people or whether Reed was just being a piece of shit. Either way, something to think about, uh-huh. huh? <clears throat> so, Trip and people have their regular neuropressure session, mm. and they finally have sesh. it out. And she tells him, listen, you're clone. Yes. He told me you liked me. <laughs> Sorry, I just I have a lot of notes about this fucking episode. Here's my butt. Yeah, look at it. So they do sex. Not you, Trip. You can't see it. You're on the other side of me. Everyone at home, look at my butt. Uh, technically, we don't see him putting his boots on afterwards, <laughs> but we do see 45% of her butt. So that that's, a, that's an uh, acceptable that substitute. Counts. Yes. Right. Um, that's what we call the FX rule. If your show appears on FX, that's uh, that's the nudity that you will get. Yeah. Meanwhile, the Pod Man has developed, or maybe always had, the power to phase through things, and he just starts walking through the ship, wrecking stuff up. <laughs> yeah, I get the feeling it's happening to him throughout the episode that he's gaining the power. I don't know where it came. That from. was how I interpreted it, also. But then later, Archer was like, "This was the whole plan all <laughs> along," and who knows? Archer's probably just wrong about that. <laughs> Um, but they can't shoot him. Uh, Reed and Hayes, who have been in the middle of a dumb fight in the gym, a dumb idiot fight for babies. Yep. Uh, have you seen? And um, because this show is a dumb show written by idiots, it's they actually start to talk about their feelings during the fight. You know how this works. Have, on have you seen an officer and a gentleman? No, I have not. That's, is it about a dumb? Is it a dumb idiot movie for babies? Also, it's the fight. This is the, basically the fight that Richard Gere okay. and Louis Gossett Jr. have. Cool. Um. Anyway, they uh, Reed and Hayes have to work together to blow up the engine in the right way to stop him. <laughs> and uh, and then uh, we see Trip and, and T Ball, and they're having a real 
she's real cool on him all of a sudden. Mm. They're having a real tepid chat. And she's like, thanks for helping me explore a longtime interest of mine, human sexuality. <laughs> yep. And he gets a little bit of hurt feelings, and they agree that they're not going to talk about it anymore. Cool. <laughs> Great. And one. then Archer yells at Reed and Hayes about their dumb fight. And, uh, and then Archer goes to see the alien because he is finally fading out of existence. But he says, when the Zindi destroy Earth, my people will prevail cool. before he goes. So at the very end of the day, this all ties back in. Yes, in a way that doesn't make any sense. It's great. It's all great. Good stuff. So, Matthew, Matthew, what was this episode about? Uh, I had the take, everybody everywhere is on one and usually all at the same time. <laughs> now, that's not worth any points. I saw Ben had a better take. I'm going to take Ben's take. <laughs> ben said jealousy is a destructive force. He used a question mark, but I, I do think this episode was about that because Reed's got some issues with this guy horning in on his territory and... Uh, T-Pole's obviously all fucking worked up about Trip. Um, yeah. He gave it a two. I will also give it a two. <clears throat> uh, but yeah, let's just be real. Everyone in this episode has got some crazy emotions, and they're all trying to pretend they're being totally logical, and there are no consequences to any of it. Sorry to get into execution so quickly. Uh, no, no. We are all operating in the same space, because what I wrote was, nothing more juvenile than a turf war. <laughs> it's Everyone uh, acts like such a baby. Everyone in the whole episode. Reed and Hayes are in a non-existent competition for the security job. Uh-huh. And T-Pole and Corporal Cole are in a non-existent competition for Trip. Actually, Cole doesn't even know she's in it. Nope, she has no clue. She kind of disappears from the episode about halfway through. Yeah, it's not about after, her. Uh, after she gets a massage from T-Pole, she just sort of disappears. Yeah. Uh, and everything is dumb and bad for it. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, so two. I'm giving it a two. All right, cool. All on the same page. What about execution? Uh, by the way, Ben's as high as a five. Holy shit. Yeah. I didn't see that. Uh, I'm not borrowing that score. He doesn't say anything good, but he gave it a five. <laughs> I read his whole thing looking for anything that supported that the score. That would rate an average there's score. There's just nothing in there. Yeah. The um, This alien guy, uh-huh. he really is the C-plot this week, huh? Honestly, I slept through a lot of that. I didn't even know what was going on. I just knew Archer was wrong. Everything Archer said sounded wrong. Well, anyway, Archer seemed to know he was a bad guy way early, or at least he decided to treat him like one. Uh Uh-huh. Then the romance plot, very poorly done. Uh, This is is an episode where two women are into Trip, and we never for one second learn how he feels, what he likes about Cole, if anything about... Uh, T-Pole's reserved nature is pushing him in Cole's direction, etc., etc. Mm-hmm. Just nothing. He's just a fucking cipher this week. But not the kind you want to, like, figure out. Uh, T-Pole just announces that she knows he has feelings for her. Yeah, she is a be- everyone's a baby, and she's a real baby, and she's like, because your fucking clone told me. Remember that clone we created to harvest organs? I know we all agreed not to talk about it ever again, you, but he, had, you nev- he was You into- never met him because he was dead by the time you woke up. Because <laughs> but- we farmed his organs. Because <laughs> we executed him? You know, you remember this, because he had to die so you could live, and that's the whole reason he existed. You remember that. We talked about it, though, but we're not going to talk about it anymore after this. Anyway, I didn't fuck him, but I we're, it's you and me. Here we go. <laughs> yeah. Um, obviously, by the way, that's a minus two. Oh, thank um, you. And, uh, finally, the Reed Hayes plot is the dumbest of all. There's such an obvious, clear delineation between their two jobs mm-hmm. that the only way you can read this is, man, Reed sucks, huh? Yeah. 
It's true. And I, by the way, I don't know what would make me matter if next week these two idiots are still fighting or if it, best it was all forgotten just because Archer said so. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, unfortunately, with the deduction, it's not worth any points. <laughs> I don't blame you at all. I um... Yeah, it's just zero. Enterprise likes to flip the old um, TOS TNG thing where the, the guest and side characters are jerks and the main characters are really great. They flip it, so it's the guys you see every week who suck ass. Yeah, even that old admiral that's Archer's boss, I kind of like him. He just doesn't want to get into He's like a nice dude. He's like, oh, whatever you say, I guess you're the boss. Listen, I'm the first admiral of Starfleet, so whatever we're all playing it by here. Fuck it up. I'm going to be in the history books, so just try to make it good for me. Um, uh, so everyone is such a jerk in this one, except for nice boy Mayweather, who gives a real Andrew Luck, hey, nice hit. After he gets his ass kicked. <laughs> it's true. Um, it's not fun to watch. I told you offline, I gave you my rankings of my episodes in uh, order of enjoyment. And this was dead last. Yeah. Uh, a super unearned engineering trick by Reed to save the day at the end. They do this slow burn on T-Pole and Trip the whole year. And then they have this incredibly juvenile episode where they're both jealous and pretending they aren't. And then... They fuck, and then they keep being children about it? Yeah. At this point, I would actually pay for a CBS All Access subscription if I could watch a mature relationship happen on the screen. Like, I'll pay <laughs> you money. not going to be in this show, for sure. I don't care what they have to do if they have to go back and refilm these scenes. Flocks is in everyone's business with no ethics. Oh, yeah. Reed sucks a hundred asses. Archer is a wild man. Do you remember when McCoy didn't tell everybody that Miranda Jones was blind? Uh-huh. Until he was like, all right, now. Now, all right, hang <laughs> now You want to fly the ship. I feel like fly I have to ship. say something. At this point, it would be irresponsible of me not to say something. <laughs> yeah, instead, Fox's first fucking thing in every episode is telling someone else about somebody else's fucking medical stuff all Fox the will time. will not perform a life-saving treatment if the patient doesn't agree to it. Yeah. That's part of his personal ethics, but he will <laughs> spread your get shit. in everybody's face full time. All around. And again, Archer is a wild person. The way he barks at those two at the end is so unhinged and crazed. <laughs> and the way he barks at the patient the whole time is close to that. There's not any, again, only Mayweather in this episode. You go, ah, oh, nice guy. If... If this were Babylon 5, you would find out that he'd had a stim addiction <laughs> for the for the whole show. That's right. Yeah, he'd, he'd, he'd be in a dark room and he'd tell him that the numbers don't lie and that a certain amount means you're addicted and a certain amount doesn't. And then at home you'd go, I don't think that's how it works. And then oh, he... The addiction and, seems weird. Huh? And then he would, he would go away and he'd go on walkabout and you'd be like, all that stuff makes sense now. The way he was acting like a wild man. Yeah. Except he's way wilder than stims ever was. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, I, um, it's a zero. <laughs> Sorry, Enterprise, do better. <laughs> it's, uh, it's not good. None of it was good. I hated every minute of this episode. Just make uh, average T. We gave, Enterpr- we gave Voyager four points this week for execution between us. You couldn't get one. That's you right. didn't manage one. That's right. <laughs> you know. This, this bad episode of TOS got seven. Yeah, I try to be, we try to be fair. 
like we came into this, I was definitely expecting Enterprise to take up the fucking rear and just eat. No, shit. no, it's and again, comfortably in third place right now. Yeah, and in it, our yeah, in terms of performance week to week. And every once in a while, like, oh, that actually wasn't that bad. All right, Enterprise, nice job. That was better than I expected. But this week, man, nah, that ain't this one. They fucked up. Um, I can do a world building here. Yeah, swing swing into world building here. Um, Ben gave it as much as a five. He says, the camo that Major Hayes wears is stupid and couldn't possibly be helpful. Uh, I guess the Ponfar thing is right out. Clearly Vulcans can get along whenever they want. I never... I was uh, sure. That's clear even from a muck time. Yeah, I was going to say, I, never, I wasn't sure that that was a regulatory it's, thing. It's just that during Ponfar, they must. They must, right. Yeah. Uh, transdimensional Sulaban looking guy. We all agreed, because at, at the end of the episode, I still thought he was a Sulaban. I don't know what he is. But at the end of the episode, I was like, ah, so the Sulaban are going to win. It turns out he's a sphere builder. I know, yeah, I, but then, I like, literally didn't know. Is that different from the Sulabons? It's, it's not clear. I don't know, because as we've talked about many times, no one's ever talking about the Sulaban in the future. So who knows what happened <laughs> to them? Maybe maybe they don't make it, huh? I have no idea. Um, let's see. Uh, the twist ending is that the Sulaban-looking mofo is a race of... Uh, Architecting the whole Zindi versus human thing. I don't know. Was that clear? Was that admission of his saying that he was the one who, that his people told the Zindi that they should kill the Earthlings? I don't know. They did not. It did not. Anyway, he found it more frustrating than enticing, and uh, he gave it five points. But I do think that is the suggestion when he says, when the Zindi destroy Earth, my people will. That they're the meddlers. Yeah, exactly. Again, we believe they just said it. We believe they just said it as a fact, and the Zindi went, "Oh no!" Yes, (laughs) we better kill all of them. Uh, Here's what I had for world building: December twenty seventh, twenty one fifty three. Archer believes the Makos have better technology than Starfleet. Tucker also in a bad mood because it's two days after Christmas. Everyone had a real shit Christmas. I mean the. The uh, reptilians Zindi didn't come out of their trenches and play soccer and everything. And There's then... no Christmas truce. No. <laughs> okay. No. Also, uh, they had a secret Santa that went tits up from the start. Somebody drew Trip's <laughs> clone, which fucked the whole thing up. Secret Santa on that ship would be a fucking nightmare. Huh? Hey, who's uh, Trip's clone? No one knows. No one knows one. Th- Reed would have gotten pineapple for sure. It's the <laughs> only thing anyone knows about it. They would have gotten socks with pineapples on them. Yep, he loves pineapples. I couldn't get a pineapple. Uh, yeah, someone got Trip's clone, and that messed the whole thing up. Um, I'm sure somebody got Chef. And they're like, I don't know that. I've never seen him. Someone got uh, right. someone got that time traveler guy. So that it didn't go, it didn't go over well. He's still alive, right, Daniels? <laughs> Daniels is somewhere around here. I'm sure if I just go hang out at his quarters where everyone's always hanging out, I'm sure he'll show up. He's just gonna he's gonna. Next time he zaps in to give Archer a message, there's just a little wrapped present in his quarters, <laughs> and he opens right. a keychain. He's like, "Oh, that's cool." In the future, these don't exist. Um, so Tucker also explicitly mentions that they're not a part of Starfleet, so they're just some kind of United Earth military force thing. Yeah, the Military Assault Command. I don't really know what their what governing body do they belong to. How's it work? Uh, Who are they with? They have spent. An irresponsibly small amount of time <laughs> discussing the politics of Earth pre-Starfleet. Yeah. I just don't really I'm understand. I'm sorry, pre-Federation. Starfleet exists already. Yeah. Uh, hey, what is this holodeck target practice program? Why do they have holotech like this? 
Yeah. Why? It's a very good question. Why? Where did it come from? Why? When when Trip went on that rowboat, yes. he was fucking blown away. This is what I'm saying. In episode whatever, he's like, I have never seen anything like this. But we've already on this show, Enterprise, seen holodecks and holograms like 15 times. Yeah. And now they have it. It's no, don't worry. There. Malcolm Reed invented the fourth I field. know. But then how come in TOS, they don't have it? And then how come in TNG, everyone is fucking astonished? Yeah, it is true. They have to have a scene where Wesley's trying to explain to Riker how the holodeck works, yeah, and Riker is too bored to pay attention. <laughs> yeah, it's not even not even trying to pretend he understands. And then Data has to throw a rock at the wall. Yep, that's all. That's that Riker can handle. I, it's just uh, it's a trick. If only <laughs> magic. <laughs> it's a magic it. trick. I get it. You used your sorcery. Uh, you because because you're a robot. Am I inside of a box that you're holding? <laughs> you're powerful. I see that. Is this, is my life a dream that you're having? Portal guard. I will tell you about Sun Tzu. <laughs> um, anyway, I just, they do it all the time about everything, but this holodeck thing made me so mad. I don't understand it. Um, it's because they were like, hey, wasn't it cool when it turned out Guinan was a pretty good shot in that one episode of TNG? Yeah, when she was uh, distracting Worf when they were shooting back to back. Right. And she was saying stuff about how he's not like other Klingons or whatever. She's kind of racist. We'll get to it. Um, how would Reed have picked up a little Klingon move? That's a that's a very good question. There have been three Klingon episodes, and Reed never met a Klingon. Did he pick it up of them. when he dressed? Did he have to dress as a Klingon to save them from Ruapente, or, or am I thinking of the time he dressed as a Sulaban to save him from that Sulaban prison? Did he just yeah, go I down into the cave? I'm just trying I, to figure out when he would have ever I been around they, a Klingon. I think they just rescued him from Ruripenthe regular style. Like insane that he says he learned a little Klingon move. Uh, this old boy they picked up can do a phasey thing where he walks through the walls and it messes everything up. Um, God, I hated all of it so much. It's a one. because of the appearance of the sphere builders and the suggestion that they're manipulating events and for a little bit of backstory about the Makos and how they've been training they have no actual alien combat experience I gave it as many as two points okay but this episode was not about world building it was about the great and satisfying conclusion (laughs) to the will they won't they uh huh yeah. Strip and T-Pole are the Sam and Diane of Enterprise. Well, maybe you and Ben have thoughts about the characterization then. <sighs> well, Ben uh, Ben gave it as many as two points. Mm-hmm. He says Phlox knows what he's doing when he talks to T-Pole about Tucker's sessions with the corporal. And then he says he's got, what, five wives? Hmm. <sighs> The the Makos are doing training with the security team, but the session is just Teeple, Hoshi, Tucker, Travis, and uh, and Travis. Yeah, it turns out Reed so, has got a staff like uh, Doctor Crusher. Well, maybe there are two sessions because the dude said he wants to do it with the security team and the senior officers, and we only see the senior officers. So maybe 
Maybe they don't do that one in front of the security guys because it's it's embarrassing. <laughs> they just completely segregate them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, look, they already hired all those people to play Mako, so they're not going to hire extra dudes to play security. Archer bending a few ethics. The whole crew is full of immature misanthropes. Mm. Uh, he liked that they that although the major was better at shooting than Reed, the high shooter was actually Cole. Mm-hmm. Uh, he says Reed is an even bigger asshole and is petty with Hayes. Reed is the major asshole in this relationship. And he is in a lot of episodes. Uh, I think I'm done with him professionally, too. I think I don't fuck with <laughs> Boy, him. him and him and McCoy. I don't fuck with him. I don't fuck with McCoy. You've just, <laughs> they've crossed too many lines now. I'm not into it. Oh, man. Uh, and he thinks uh, T-Pole's uh, doing trip dirty. She's real cold to him at the end. Well, she's not doing great at handling her emotions or understanding what they are or what they mean. Yeah. So, uh, so he's a, he's a two. Uh, I also am a two. Okay. Archer is back to torture. Did he ever leave? No, there was one week when he kind of didn't want to do it. Okay, good. <laughs> All right, good. Uh, Flox is soft this week. He'll genocide a whole race, but he doesn't like what Archer's making him do to this man. Mm-hmm. People seems to be playing some kind of game with Trip. And I don't get it. Yeah. That's not logical for sure. No, nothing she does in this whole episode is logical. She needs to get in touch with the fact that she's got some emotions, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, Reed is garbage. Travis can punch people. That's pretty big for him. And again, he's he's real nice about getting his ass kicked. Yeah. Only Trip is sort of likable, but they keep his feelings from us this week for no obvious reason. Mm-hmm. So, couldn't give it more than a two, I'm afraid. Um, let's see. Fucking Tucker is using this Vulcan massage shit as a way to meet chicks. And it works. And we didn't see the scene where he was like, you know, I've learned some great Vulcan massage techniques. But oh, you're from uh, Kissimmee St. Cloud also, or whatever, <laughs> yeah. wherever I'm from? <laughs> Yeah, he and this chick got along because they're both from Florida. That's not a lie. That's what he says. He says that's why they get along. He says they have a lot of things in common. They're both from Florida. Yeah, and at that point, Reed changes the subject again and says, so you fucking T-Pole also? Like, what's the deal? <laughs> right. What's going on with that? Uh, Reed is still butthurt about Mako's. He's an insane of the whole episode. Um, Flox doesn't know anything about patient confidentiality. Uh... T-Pole's jealous about Tucker giving this other lady a nasty foot rub, and her Vulcan emotional training really let her down in that sparring scene where she's so fucking distracted that she takes one in the face. Mm-hmm. And she can't stop needling this chick during their session about, uh, about well, Tucker. Well, Cole, Cole touched him on the bottom, so. Uh-huh, and even gives her a fucking stinger because she's mad at her. She's just wild. <laughs> and this whole scene with her and Trip during the neuropressure was vile. Yeah. I mean... But Mayweather's a nice boy. He congratulated the guy who kicked the shit out of him on a good match. So What's that worth to you? One point. <laughs> it's worth one. Um, Did you write anything down as a quick hitter? I wrote in all capitals. Ben, ben oh, did not. Oh, cool. Feet in the first frame. <laughs> yeah. And then I wrote, it's hard to make a suplex look cool if the other guy doesn't jump for you. Seriously, fucking Reed got no height on that suplex. It looked like they were both just rolling around. Yep. 
That would be considered a dick move in the WWE. That's right. You didn't sell my move? Now we got problems in the locker room. Yeah, that's it, man. Why you? Oh, uh, yep. Like you, my first thing was great foot stuff. Uh And then um, Reed somehow negotiated his way into having his team train on Tuesday evenings and Wednesday mornings. (laughs) That's just like a good plan. That's a power move. That'll show he got, him. He got Bugs Bunnied into it, basically. Uh-huh. Um, do you remember when it was hard for them to talk to a new alien when they met one? Yeah. By this point, it's not even worth a throwaway line. No. They could just talk to this alien. Hoshi doesn't even have to show up yep, in the episode. They don't even call her down. They're just like, whatever. Yeah. It's fine. Everyone speaks lizard in this part of space. It's fine. And then you know, Matthew, that there was a meeting where they worked out exactly how much of Jolene Blaylock's ass they could show. Oh, man. They blocked and framed and fucking... They they did it. They fucking worked that shit out there. Like, just about a, and two inches down from her tailbone or whatever. Because you get a little bit of crack. Yep. And one cheek. Yep. Well, we get... By the way, this is the dirty version. Because it just so happened that this episode aired the week after the Janet Jackson Super Bowl thing. Love it. I love that. So so when it aired on uh, broadcast TV, no butts. they quickly reframed it so it cuts off just above her butt. I love, thing. I love hearing things like that. I love it when someone is about to put a butt in a show and then someone has a nipple on TV and then they just have yep, to redo like, it. Oh, God damn it. <laughs> of course. The week we're, we were going to do our great reveal of butt. What's great about that is how badly they wanted to yes. show that butt. All our storytelling has been leading to this butt. What are we going to do? I guess we're not going to get away with showing a butt. Well, then the whole season's been a waste. We better have them reset on the relationship. I gave best actor to Trip, worst actor to Reed this week. Yeah. Uh, I realized that his character is execrable. <laughs> Honestly, I can't and tell And that, that makes it difficult to assign blame. <laughs> I, I, have, I have feeling. I have bad feelings about the actor who plays him now. Yeah. Uh, hmm. Also in second place last week was The Next Generation. Yeah. So this week we watched Captain's Holiday. Finally a good one. Some neat-looking aliens beam down to Risa and ask the computer how to find Captain Picard, but he ain't there. Meanwhile, Picard and Troy get back from mediating a trade dispute, and Picard's all burned out, like Kira not that long ago. Yep. Troy suggests a vacation. Credits. Uh, Everybody plays a hilarious game where they try to get Picard to go to Risa, and he eventually gets annoyed and agrees. On Risa, he bumps into a lady who kisses him in order to make him a in order to make a pursuer leave her alone, and it's already getting zany. Those aliens from the teaser are just standing there watching. No one says no <laughs> one says anything to them. They're really close to Picard and, and Vash in that scene. He doesn't turn around and go, "Can I help you?" He walks within eight inches of them. Wild. They're just sitting there. without acknowledging them at just, all. And they're clearly watching intently. Uh, anyway, he can't relax. He's trying to read his book by the fucking pool or whatever, but every lady wants to fuck him because he bought a dumb statue for Riker and he's got it on his blanket. A great, great prank by Billy Boy. 
Then a Ferengi comes up and starts to threaten him because he saw Picard kiss that lady in that last scene. He's talking about some disc and Picard ain't having it. He gets all shouty with the guy. Then that lady comes over one half second after the Ferengi leaves. So (laughs) real sly shit. Anyway, the lady and the Ferengi argue for a bit. Oh, sorry. Yeah, no. Yeah, the lady and the Ferengi argue a bit later. um, And then Picard goes back to his quarters and these fucking aliens are scanning his quarters. And he doesn't go, hey, I saw you looking at me earlier. Like he should. Uh, they say they're from the future. And that they're looking for the Toxu Tot. And he's supposed to help them find it. Uh, he knows what the Toxu Tot is. Because of space legends. Yep. He seems to agree. And then, again, one half second after they zip out of the room, he finds the data disc. That weird lady stashed in his little robe. She's here to find the Utah as well, and they agree to search for it together, probably because of flirting reasons. Lady's name is Vosh, for future reference. The Ferengi keeps following them, and uh, his name is Sovak. And um, he says he and Vosh were partners, but she betrayed him. Um, they take his little phaser from him, and uh, Picard gives him a manly punch, and then they go off on their journey together, he and the lady. I want to say, Picard telegraphed that punch way long enough for Sovak to get out of the way. (laughs) So, I guess he was asking for it. It's true. He definitely had time to make a move. Uh, Then Picard and the lady have a cave night. Um, The next morning, they find the location of the Utah, but they gotta dig it up. Once they're about to dig it up, like they got their shovels out and stuff, those future aliens show up to watch... I guess. I can't believe you're not going to say Vorgons. Sorry, the Vorgons. Well, it gets confusing in this episode because there's Horgons and Vorgons. Um, Vosh gets all mad. Would you say that Riker has Horgons for Vorgons? Yes, he does. <laughs> like, that's his special way of saying he has too many Horgons. <laughs> man, I've got Horgons for I Vorgons. Ask, it's the same prank I pull every time. Everyone brings me back a Horgon from there, man. I got Horgons for Vorgons out here. <laughs> Um, anyway, Vosh acts all, uh, hurt that she's been betrayed, because obviously Picard's working with these Vorgons. Then, uh, Sovak shows up, too, and points his phaser at Vosh, and, and, and he and, she and Picard have to dig. He makes them dig. He fucking put on his Ferengi military uniform for this one. He's like, I'm out of fucking, fucking resort wear for this. This is the real deal. That guy punched me earlier. Uh, Picard gets sick of digging, and he's... He's figured out the whole damn game anyway. But um, he quits and decides to leave the caves. Uh, Sovak jumps in to dig himself, and Vosh and Picard go back to their rooms. And then Riker calls to say, hey, I'm ready to beam you up. Picard says he wants Riker to blow up his comm badge on his command. (laughs) Transporter code 14. And confronts Vosh as she's leaving. He does his cool accusation Poirot thing. And do you think we just didn't see it, but do you think that Troy on the bridge went, his signal? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. We know this bothers her a lot. Actually, she didn't know what transporter code 14 was, but okay, so once sure, Data cool. explained what it was, she did <laughs> then go, his signal? Because <laughs> she thinks everyone's plans to blow themselves up. Um, uh, let's see. Uh, he does his uh, accusation thing like Poirot uh, that he loves to do so much. She wanted Sovak to follow her to the caves to show him it wasn't there, uh, and that she's given up the search. But really, she found the future. Du- she found the Utah the moment she got to Risa. So I just read a different line. Um, she admits 
uh, that she's got it. It's like, pff, the jig is up and hands it over to Picard. And then those future dudes beam back in and ask him to hand it over. He seems pretty ready to hand it over. It does seem like he's right about to do it. Which is weird. The only thing that suggests he didn't is that transport yes. code 14 business. <laughs> it's weird that he's about to hand it over. Why is he play acting so much? I don't understand. Uh, but Vosh finally makes him think these dudes might be shady. So he asks them for some ID. And they go, oh, uh, my ID is at home. It's in the other pants. And then they shoot Vosh a bit. And Picard has Riker blow up the Utah. And then the aliens go, exactly as we recorded, you destroyed the Utah. <laughs> and then they leave probably to 20 minutes ago so they can just take it from her. <laughs> and Picard and Vosh say goodbye. Well, uh, happily, they weren't there when she pulled it out of that Horgon right there in the hotel lobby, her great hiding place. <laughs> These guys are so. very bad at zipping in and out. They often just miss something. They don't vital. pick their moments right. Yeah. yeah. Oh, God. What was Jesus? What was this? What was the episode? Hey, I thought long and hard about what this one you might mean. You should not have. And the best I was able to come up with is everyone relaxes in his own way, I guess. <laughs> it's not It's not untrue. Since this is just a dumb adventure story, I mean, I, what other point could there be? Mm. But, like, that's nothing. Like, ooh, this is Picard's special vacation. Yeah, because like, we do get the idea that the whole time that he really is enjoying this. He's having a great time doing his Indiana it's Jones archaeology. Horseshit. It's got fighting yeah. and fucking. I know that's a Pat Stew thing, but it also doesn't have fucking. But you know, like he can't. He can't go on Riker's vacation. No, it's he can't dangerous. go on whatever dumb shit Troy wanted or uh, Crusher wanted him to go on. I know. I know. Shore leave. <laughs> <laughs> She's been talking about nothing else. <laughs> You're trying to find the clip? <laughs> the officer has taken an away team down to make contact, and they are in the process of returning to the ship. Riker says the planet's life forms are almost identical to us. He's very enthusiastic. Captain. Sorry, Troy. The doctor has something very important to tell you, Captain. Thank you. Thank You've been talking about it for days. Shore leave for the crew. Every time I listen to that, a different part stands out as the funny part. Like in this one, it was back to Riker. Yep. Um, the, the doctor has something very important to like, tell you. Shut up, Troy. Like, she could just tell me herself. Jesus. Yeah, that's probably why she interrupted you. It's wild. So wild. Um, um, yeah, so what, what was that worth again? Uh, two points. Okay. That's nothing. Uh, let's see. What did Ben have on this bad boy? Um, he said, also a two, when you're captain, there's no rest for you. Not that this, he had to be a captain for this stuff on the planet. When you're a prominent social figure, excitement just follows you. What's that mean? I don't know. <laughs> All right. Well, it was only a two. <laughs> I'm going to be honest. I don't know. I also had it as a two. I came up with... Trust isn't required for attraction to develop. Picard's all over this chick's dumb schemes, but he still wants to bang her. But he doesn't. Aside from saying... No, he does not. Aside from saying people have strange cares, I don't know what this is for. Yeah. Worth. It's with two, I guess. He does, like... His attitude towards her is best summed up by the moment when he says, Oh, you are outrageous! Mm-hmm. Yeah, she told... Because she wants to go to the Forbidden Planet? Yeah, she told him she wanted to go space. to the bad side of town, because the chicken's good there. And he thought that was outrageous. Um, Sargonians are notorious for their treatment of trespassers, Matthew. Yes. 
he's gonna i'm saying he's complaining about the gang violence on that side of town um yeah yeah, so uh two for me uh because that's not much uh turning around to execution the music in this episode is so fucking happy it made me sick this is everything about this episode tells us this is a wild romp that's fun for Picard. Yeah, this farce about getting him to go on vacation is such obvious mid-season filler. I said out loud a dozen times, "Who wrote this?" <laughs> Cuz it was so insulting the whole way. The mystery was dumb, the characters were dumb. I didn't need a zany side adventure. Picard is a putz. These time travel aliens are idiots. It's just a real miss, just across the board. Like, what part of this was redeemable? Just the part where Riker is played a good trick on him because he's going to try to get him late? That's nothing. It's a one. <laughs> ben gave it a three. Oh, sorry, he gave it a four. He says, uh, Crusher's joke on the captain is the same one that McCoy pulled on Kirk. Oh, yeah. And by the way, what's great about this is Picard immediately knows what's up. Uh, he actually has a really good line when she... Uh, <clears throat> when she comes in to do that bullshit where she's like, you know, there's a member of the crew who I'm really worried about. And he just looks at her and goes, doesn't sound serious. As yep. if to say, shut the fuck up and get out. Um, Maybe that was the only redeemable part of this episode. Uh, yeah. So anyway, he gave it a four. Um, although Picard figures out that he's uh, the patient um, on that uh on that crusher joke really quickly. Um, he said he liked the first third. That's the part where everyone's trying to get him to go on vacation. Um, I guess that means he doesn't like the second two thirds. Uh, yeah, he says, uh, he's sure I have a theory about, uh, he and Vosh actually just cuddling in the cave. That's true. That is the theory. And he says the end is super confusing. Why would they have, like, why would they have to do this all over again? I think he means, why wouldn't they? Or... Yeah. But Picard is unconcerned. They have time travel. About the time traveling aliens getting their hands on this fucking device. He's like, I blew it up. They'll never get it. It's like, no, like a time... Bro, we already told you they have time travel. And he's like, don't oh, worry no, about no. it. Oh, no, he doesn't. He says he has a feeling that they'll be doing this over and over again. Oh, is that what he's talking about? Yeah, oh, I totally he knows that. that those idiots have time travel. Does he think that in every one he's going to end up blowing up the Utah? I don't know what he thinks time <laughs> travel is. <laughs> it's so dumb, it's dumber than even he I thought. He met a version of himself from six hours in the future and knew immediately he had to murder him. <laughs> it was in his fucking bones, he knew it. Yeah, it was dumber than even I thought, I guess. Even dumber. Anyway, it was a four for Ben. What about you? Yeah, strap in. Um, Risa comes up a few times after this episode. So it seems like it's like a famous, it's like the most famous vacation destination in the Federation. I mean, it seems like it has in, been for a while. In um, Enterprise, weren't they like on a three-week fucking uh, arc of trying to get to Ryza? Yes, yeah. Okay. In this episode, it's just a weird place Riker's heard of. Yes. And it's not at all clear why Picard picks it once he finally gives in. Yeah, Riker. And decides he has to take a vacation. Riker does a real Donald Trump and he says, it's called Risa. And then everyone's like, what's that? That's the way he said it. Yeah, it's true. Um, I thought Vosh was fine. I don't like her because I don't care about the fucking and fighting Picard. Yeah. But there are actually nothing wrong with her portrayal. And they didn't do anything egregious like make her a supermodel or, or like anything. foot stuff. 
They didn't do any foot stuff. Everyone kept their boots on. It's really a low bar that Enterprise is not able to clear. Uh, <laughs> I, uh, uh, I was at Ryan's birthday party this weekend, <laughs> and Ben's wife told me that we have to stop doing this project <laughs> because she's sick of watching pieces of these terrible episodes. I don't blame and her. And she said she went into the living room the other day and the TV was paused and it was Picard in his little shorts. <laughs> he just paused looking right at his bulge. I'm fucking sick of watching them. Yeah, me too. I gotta watch I the also, whole thing. I also wish we could stop. God. Um, I thought Sovak was actually pretty good. Wasn't it wrong? Uh, although... Isn't he oh, Rom? Fuck me, it is Rom, isn't it? I think it? he's Rom. Isn't Rom played a Ferengi like nine times? Something like that. Yeah. Although his little sexual threats towards uh, Vosh combined with the wild sexual politics of Risa do make it a little icky. Yeah. I thought it was strange, given how much this uh, episode borrows from the 1940s, that they didn't try to do any of that with the filmmaking. Yeah. But I don't disagree with that call at all because it could have just gone DS9 student film level wrong. Yes, <laughs> maybe there would have been a flickering light somewhere in there for you. Right, yeah. Uh, I gave it a five. Holy shit. All right, we're going to be pretty far off on this one, I think. Um, Well, what about world building? World building. Ben's a two. Yeah. He says uh, those new aliens look like Mendon with their foldy noses. Kind of. They're like brown Mendons. Hold on a second. <laughs> How long does it take you to write these down? It's not going to make the cut. Don't worry about it. It's just it's like you have to look for a pen every time. I could tell that one was an also rain. Um, he says apparently it takes three bridge officers to help Picard pack his frilly shirts for Risa. Yeah. He says that's a tall Ferengi. Uh, I have a note on that later also. Well, pets do. The Toxu Tot is a big deal. Yeah. And then... Uh, yeah he's a two on world building i give it the standard three uh we've got risa uh vash needs money to get there yes and she expects to be able to sell the toxutot to the daystrom yes okay so is it just starfleet where they don't have money (laughs) yes thank you so interesting question interesting thing to think about uh the vorgons and caldano um, who you know all about from sto STO also he shows up at some point in Enterprise. Um, Has that already happened? I don't know. What about did the demon did the silver blood happen? Not yet. <laughs> I'm just gonna keep uh, asking. Also, transporter code 14, which is both pretty wild in and of itself, blow up the thing at at this location. Uh-huh. Use the transporter to blow something up. Yeah, transporter's got a lot of uses, like a clone peak, and also it's for some <laughs> reason the specific code is whatever the thing is that my signal is attached to. Well, he says to execute transporter code 14 at my location, uh, and then he throws his, his, his the Tuxedot down I and steps out a, of the way. I thought he said at my command. You're, maybe you're right. Maybe he said at my location. Yeah, it was at, at, at my location. Uh. Um, but also, this is transporter code 14. Yes. Suggests the transporter, like you said, <laughs> has many uses. Uh-huh. Yeah, one uh, of the so uses is it. just make the guy green. And when he beams up, he'll have green skin. I gave it the standard three because that's something to think about. Yes. Uh, yeah, Gamaris 4, where Picard had been mediating a trade dispute. Sex tourism is alive and well in the 24th century because what is the Federation? 
Yeah. Horgons well, and Jamal. Seem like Risa might not be a part of it. The Ferengi, that Ferengi's just hanging out there. That's true, yeah. Uh, Horgons and Jamaharone. More Hoverball. We've heard about Hoverball before. Um, oh, yeah. Quantum Phase Inhibitor. The Toxuta, capable of, I don't know what they said, ceasing all reactions within a star. I don't know. Who cares? Yeah, it can kill a whole star, yeah. just like Soren's weird thing from Generations. Yes. His rocket. <laughs> his trilithium. It goes faster than light. His so trilithium what, rocket. What do you want? I don't know. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Caldano invented it, or will invent it, or whatever. I don't know how it all works. Um, Vosh took Sovak's money because she couldn't afford to get to Ryza, as we talked about. So how does the economy work? Transporter code 14, I gave it a 3. Oh, by the way, they set it up in this one. The Vorgons say that Caldano took it to the... 22nd century yeah and that picard finds it here so it's like of course it's going to show up in enterprise yes that's true once they they probably did a google 22nd century and just and went, like do we get is burning is Burlinghoff rasmussen ever appears <laughs> right. in enterprise because that's from his century too we gotta if we go to new jersey and he's there we gotta do everything that it says on this page 22nd century uh what'd you score it uh yeah it was a three for me as well Characterization, Ben gave it. Am I seeing this right? Yeah, he wrote the number eight. Okay. Apparently, Riker and Troy often hold hands on the bridge, like um, when he welcomes her back. Yeah, he, it's, a, it's a warm welcome. Picard loathes vacations. Troy knows Picard can't stand her mom, and it's awesome continuity that helps persuade him to take time away. Yeah, it's a fun joke where she says, my mother will even be joining us at the next Starbase or whatever, and he's like, maybe that vacation sounds pretty good now or whatever. Uh, Riker talks about Risa too much, according to Troy. Specifically the women. Wildly horny in this one. Uh, there must not have had any personnel transfers recently. That's right. There's no new ensigns or bartenders for him to hit on. Um. Oh, I thought you meant because uh, personnel transfers seem to be his only job later on. Just like oh, well, yeah, that is true. Personnel reports. He, he is mostly doing evaluations and the guard knows where to, where to put him. After four or five seasons, he's like, "Just you have one job now. I want you to look at the personnel reports. I don't want you to do anything." Just look at them. Do I shoot them? Nope. Don't. Not, I said not don't even shoot a little. Them. There's absolutely do not shoot. Well, what them. if I could make? What if I could ask Jordy to make the phasers even more powerful and shoot them? Is that okay? No. Don't ask Jordy to do anything. Jordy's not involved in this task. This is a Jordy uh, separate task. <laughs> anyway, Ben really liked that. Record tried to get Picard laid. Uh huh. And Picard hates taking it easy, but he's bad at flirting. Yeah. Yeah. He gave it an eight. Um, well, I didn't get there. What did you give it? I gave it a three. Mm-hmm. Why is Troy's title counselor? She, she's very oh, clearly she's a, a diplomatic aide. That is how Picard makes use of her. Is that uh, so for we sure. can pay her less? Oh, I don't understand the economy, though. Yeah, what does it mean? Because she went with Picard on this weird trade dispute. She's always helping him with the Harada and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Anyway, uh, she gets in on this farce by lying about her mother coming on board. Picard barely ate or slept during this trade dispute. So he was pretty into it. Um, I did like how he tried to shut down Beverly by saying her uh, hypothetical crewman problem or whatever doesn't sound serious. <laughs> yep. When she's doing her fucking one-act play about a crew member who's in need of medical attention. This nerd wants to go to a symposium on rogue star clusters. Yeah. He's like into well, it. That's fine. We know he's a nerd. Because <laughs> he's looking at that, that, that orbit 
<laughs> that crazy the impossible orbit, orbit <laughs> thinks he's going to crack Fermat's last theorem, uh-huh. though he has no training in mathematics. <laughs> Doesn't matter in the future. You don't need training. It's about bettering yourself. Um, he knows Com- comes right in his pants when he sees that Nescos, well, the Curlin Nescos. Don't tell him it's intact, because <laughs> he'll jizz on the oh, spot. I love that he gets to do some acting. He knows Riker's going to talk about the women on Risa and says it along with him and adds derisively, of course. I actually really like that, too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and the women, of course. Um, sex is alien to Picard, just like Worf. <laughs> He's, uh, now, sex is from a world now alien to Worf. That's all worlds you're for right. Picard. All, it's all worlds for Picard. Uh, he's very open to talking about the talks who taught with random ladies, despite its immense power. And the, uh, that's correct. Uh, he enjoys his weird adventure because he's not right. He's not a well person. Um, <laughs> Riker is so worked up to get Picard's dick wet, and he tricks him to buying a sex statue. Um, I'm okay with moments of levity, but these characters were so preoccupied by such dumb shit. You could change the soundtrack and wonder if they'd been replaced by hostile aliens or like were true. otherwise altered like in the game. This could be Allegiance 2. It, yeah. It was insane watching this. So it was only a three for me. Um, you know, I gave it as many as a four. Okay. Uh, Riker is over the top horny in this one. Just out and about. I mean, he, he kind of always is, but he's just out there talking about those women. I tell you, they'll just fuck the shit out of you. They do this thing. It, he's like a character in Porky's or American Pie <laughs> this week. <laughs> That's right. Just desperate for the idea that, like, it does not occur to him that Picard might not be as interested in sex tourism. He really thinks he has given Picard a great suggestion mm-hmm. and that Picard is going to have a great time. <laughs> And when Picard comes back on board, he's got that same shit-eating grin on his face. Yeah. Like, he expects Picard to tell him about all of the sex. No shit. He's thinking, I am so cool and thoughtful. That's exactly what he's thinking. <laughs> uh, Picard gets to shout and punch and stuff. Yeah. Um, but he makes nothing even remotely like an attempt to set Vash on the straight and narrow. No. And only the little prep scene that I assume was an afterthought about transporter code 14 yeah suggests that he even considered that the vorgons might be lying it's very wild it's such a wild thing to watch him just do whatever they want the whole time but then also have the transporter code 14 and then literally to be handing them the crystal yeah like even if that was his plan what if one of them went yoink and then zipped back to the future? Yeah, they got the time transporter, bro. Then he, then he could have gone, oh, I had a whole plan. <laughs> As I history recorded. Thing I was going to do where I blew it up. <laughs> As history recorded, you gave us the Toxutat and blew yourself up. <laughs> As history recorded, you're a real rube. <laughs> you're, a, you're a real hayseed. Picard, in the future, they call you Picard the Dunce. I wanted to let you know before I yoink, yoink. Anyway, goodbye. I look a little bit like Will Forte. <laughs> it's true, he did. Didn't I say somebody looked like Will Forte in a recent episode? Ah, <laughs> uh, maybe. Bothering he me. must just have one of those faces. Yeah. It's just any any alien with sad eyes, I think, looks a little bit like Will Forte. That could be it. Quick hitters. Okay. The longest part, traditionally, of any TNG episode. Sure. 
Uh, let's uh, check in with Ben. There we go. They did the sex. No, they did not. Uh, I thought I remembered that's where they went in this episode. Nope. I guess that's Immense Picard as the lead character. Yeah, I guess is this where he takes over from Riker because he finally met a woman? God, probably in Pat Stu's mind that's what happened. Finally, I'm the star. He says this feels like a TOS episode reskinned for TNG. Sure. Uh, it makes as much I mean, sense. maybe, but Kirk, I think, would have just shot a bunch of people. And he would have been putting his boots back on. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Uh, he says, hot take number one, I've always thought that the transporter maneuver was not one that destroyed the Toxutot, but replaced it with sparkles and beamed it up to the ship. <laughs> that would be a cool code. Uh, he doesn't call in a precision strike or anything, but a transporter maneuver. I'm pretty sure that's been thought of before. Uh, hot take number one, Ben, is what did happen according to Star Trek Online. Ah, nailed the it. The Toxutot was not destroyed, but furthering the Indiana Jones style bullshit, it just ends up in a warehouse somewhere. Oh, cool. Hot take number two, I don't actually mind Vosh. I think uh, on original watching, many of us kids were scandalized by the way they were trying to sexualize Picard, but honestly, I don't really care. She came off as smart and conniving, but still not reprehensible, so it didn't lessen him by association. Um, That's very mature. Yeah. Like I said, I actually didn't find her up to be a problem. But he's wrong, and they didn't fuck. They definitely did not Let's get into it. They kissed a little bit, but then he couldn't get hard. They kiss. They're all wearing their full hiking gear and laying next to each other in a sleeping bag. The scene cuts, and the next scene, they just walking around in the caves. Yep. This is absolutely not the work that is done when you are implying that people did a sex. There is someone putting clothes back on because that's what you have to do on syndicated television. Yep. That's how you show it. We saw it when we Cisco saw it fucked Dax. Yes, and we saw it. <laughs> well, did we? I had a question about that, too, because they were both laying there fully clothed afterward. Oh, yeah. It was I very confusing true. to me. Uh, fine. We see it in uh, Outrageous Okana. Yeah, we, see- we do. We see it when Troy gets the... She touches stones with that guy, and then she becomes a weird old harlot. <laughs> yeah, we see it in the Stones episode. Yeah. <laughs> God, we have to do that one still. We see it with Kirk. Yeah, we do. God, that's a problem that that one still has to happen. What is this? Uh, shit, I think I have to go first, huh? Oh, yeah, you do your quicks. Uh, there's either a Soleil or an Antican, whichever one is the Wolfman people, walking around on Risa. Oh, I didn't see that. Right in the beginning. Interesting. Uh, uh uh-oh, the dialogue monster returns. Uh, Riker says to Troy, I take it the captain was able to negotiate an agreement mutually beneficial to both parties. (laughs) He just learned the definition of a deal. He literally looked up the textbook definition of, like, an agreement. Picard is going to take three books down on this vacation he's going on for a whole week, and Riker is on the verge of giving him a wet willy about it. Yep. He's like, you fucking nerd. Taking a light reading. Yep. Just some I... light reading? Oh, it's a book. I'll have to look, I'll look it up later. <laughs> I like to think there's some style guide somewhere telling costuming to put Picard in wraparound tops with contrasting textures. Uh, this one that he wears down in the transporter, one of my favorites. Oh, good. This uh, blue number where the left side is frilly and the right side is not. Something for Biscuit. I really like that. Just something they put in there just for you. Why can Riker not read the signs that Picard isn't interested in sex tourism? Uh... Why, when Picard says the women, of course, does Riker, does it not? Does he not have a sour even face? fucking register. He immediately should get a real sour face and go, I'm just trying to help, and walk out. 
the uh, there's a long, loving shot of an Asian lady in a gold bikini. Belongs in a TOS episode. Does not belong in TNG. Yeah, this whole episode is a problem. Uh, and then his vacation, like before he gets started on his dumb adventure, it really does suck. I would have already gone back to my hotel room and turned on the TV. Oh, yeah. You don't need to be out there amongst all those people if they keep bothering you. He has a yeah. room. Ugh. Obviously, they cast too tall an actress and too tall a Ferengi because uh, Pat Stu's got three-inch crepe soles on his weird moccasin boots. And we know he's a shorty in real life. Yeah. So. And obviously, he's unhappy about it. Yeah, well, it f- totally fits in once we read that ambush book. All he <laughs> wants to do is fight and fuck, and that's why this episode even exists. And he fucking left his wife for yeah. this lady. Oh, yeah, that's the worst part. <sighs> Knowing that the real life part of this where Patrick Stewart Patrick Stewart, you know? Yeah. The world's hero. Yep. Left his wife for this woman. I uh it's my thing I least liked hearing reading listening to that audiobook. Why not uh why not take Sovak's little gun with you, Picard? Why do you just throw it in the bushes where any kid or monster could find it? <laughs> or Sovak. Yep. It's a good question. And then uh these Vorgons have presented themselves as security officers to Picard, but they're not going to do dick about Sovak. <laughs> they're just going to stand up there and watch the whole proceeding. That's what I said out let, loud. The let whole him level scene. a phaser. That whole scene, I couldn't hear anything anyone was saying because my own mouth was making so much noise. I was going, they're just standing there. Do they not even want the Toxutan? No, obviously we find out it's not there, but they don't know that. And then at the end, that Horgon, that Horgon where she hid the Toxutan, yeah. is that one not for sale? Because that seems like a risky hiding place. I know. <laughs> yeah. Like, what if someone is seeking Jamaharon, but they're a little bit broke? Oh, what if they just yeah. borrowed a Toxutot from the lobby? No one will ever find that shit then. Yeah. Sorry, Vorgons. And then Picard's super cavalier about the prospect of the Vorgons continuing to try for the Utot. It's bad. Still, I gave best actor to Picard, I suppose, and worst actor to the other Vorgon, not Boratus. <laughs> I don't the know either one. of their names. Okay. <laughs> they announced they'd give them right in the My beginning. My name is she's Boratus. Like Anjur or something, you can, and he's Boratus. You could tell the, this makeup thing they're doing to my nose is really making it so I talk like this. <laughs> I spent five hours in makeup for this. I, so... You damn sure I'm going to say my name is Boratus. It's okay. They gave me lots of dialogue. It's going to be really good. Um, oh, is that uh, the end of the quick ones? That's my quick hitters. Uh, when Picard says he doesn't know what Jamaharon is, I believe him. Yes. That lady go. That's she's like. Well, I don't understand. Are you seeking Jamaharon? And he's like, I don't even know what Jamaharon is, and I felt really bad for him. By the way, I almost gave her best actress. The only thing is, I would have had to look up what that character was called because <laughs> she was so puzzled. Yeah. She really, this is not on her at all. And she's like, well, she's like, this, I will leave you with your book. Yep, you are being a weirdo, and I'm going to tell everyone to avoid you because you're weird, and that'll make you happy, and it'll make us happy. Hey, that weird old guy didn't want to fuck me, so... Uh, He's just, just putting that statue out there head, for a... It's like a weird power trip. Heads up, guys. Just don't... There's a weirdo over there. Just leave him alone. Don't even, don't even engage. We've uh, got a real transporter code 14 over there. <laughs> uh, hey, is that ROM? Um... Still can't believe Pat Stu left his wife for this busted-ass lady. Still not convinced they had sex. Picard's still a virgin. Um, I like, again, how the future aliens just watch Sovak threaten them with his dumb (laughs) phaser and make no move at all. 
And then I will end it with Marjan's note. Does Picard really like Vosh, or does he just get horny for artifacts? Oh, it's such a good question. It's. I think it might just be that there's an artifact involved here, and that is sort of juicing the whole situation. Because honestly, the next time he sees her, he's not that into it. Well, he first of all, he's deeply embarrassed. Yes. By having to play Robin Hood. Well, it's embarrassing. And the plot of that story is Q is just trying to get him to admit he has an emotion. Because what is Q? Yeah, I can't wait for that one. That's still coming. God. What a piece of shit that episode is. And we've already seen Vosh's third and final appearance in Deep Space Nine. Yeah. Yeah. God, let's move on to the next one. Jesus, what a week. Yeah. Hey, the last week's winner was Deep Space Nine. This is part two of the that story, uh, but this one's called The Die is Cast. In um, in uh, Asterix versus Caesar, mm. uh, there's a line where I know the line, Panacea. Okay, so there's a couple of lines. Oh, okay, it's not that one. But there's one where Caesar says, "Le jeu sont faits," and the subtitle says, "The die is cast." Uh, but that means the game, the games are played. Oh, they did some the, the games are made. The game is made. The games are done. They translated it to our expression: "The die is cast." Oh. I remember that forever. Both the French and the subtitle from that particular. By the way, I haven't seen that in twenty years, at least. I will brag that my Korean is now good enough that I notice when those things happen. When the translator translates something, and instead of the literal translation, they do it in a way that we would understand it. They use a, a, a Western idiom, idiom, and you go, "That's not what they said." Yep. Well, we are watching fan subs, so yes. <clears throat> All right. Uh, O'Brien and Bashir are having lunch, which Bashir is not really enjoying. And Kira gives O'Brien a real classic, you better come see this. <laughs> yep. Uh, they're detecting crazy emissions on the sensors and whoops, a whole fleet of Romulan and Cardassian ships decloak. You remember them from last week. That's the fleet that Garrick and Odo are with. Uh, it didn't occur to me that they had to uncloak to go through the wormhole. Yeah, I wonder what happens if they... Do you need your shields or something? You need the shields? That must be what it is. Otherwise, like that. you go real you go slow and you got to belay the phaser order or something. Because, uh, frankly, if they had been able to maintain cloak and there were just a bunch of Tetrion emissions and they wouldn't the have noticed. wormhole opened and closed, it would be a million years before the idiots on Deep Space Nine were like, they're, what if it was cloaked ships? They're dumb as dirt and they definitely would have gone, the wormhole just opened and it closed. It's wild. Do you know how I know this? Because it will become a plot point later that the wormhole keeps opening and closing, and they ain't got any ideas. Oh, no. They get literally zero ideas about what's happening. Um, all right. So that fleet's finally going through the wormhole, making their move, heading for the Founder's homeworld or whatever. Tane and Garrick shoot the shit about old times before Tane convinces Garrick to go down and, I don't know, yell at Odo or something. It's not even really clear what he wants him to do in this first scene. Um... Those two spar for a minute, and Garrick sort of promises he'll be back with, like, a more forceful approach. Sisko is debriefed by Starfleet and is told the Defiance job is to guard Bajor in case of a Dominion counterattack in the event that that cloaked fleet fails in its mission to destroy them. Um, but he decides he's gonna go find Odo, whom he suspects is with the Cardassian fleet, and uh, let the coming reinforcements from Starfleet guard Bajor instead. 
Garrick and Tane are with their new Romulan buddy talking about blowing up the Dominion planet uh, when Tane again says Odo will need to be interrogated in case he knows anything about it. Garrick protests, but Tane insists. Garrick figures out it's a test of his loyalty and agrees to proceed. Uh, Defiant is now through the wormhole and on the trail of that fleet when the cloak suddenly malfunctions and they, uh, they sit in ducks. Anyone will be able to detect them. Security Chief Eddington, I think we've met him, like, once. Yeah, it's weird how he suddenly reappears this week. He wasn't here even in the last episode, but he's here now, and... Well, don't forget, they didn't remember, they didn't think that the last episode was going to be a two-parter. That's true. They did not bother to cast for a two-parter. This is all a make-me-up. Uh, Eddington confesses to the ploy. It's his way of making Defiant abandon this mission because he's about following the regs. By the way, this is some really good long conning. Um, <laughs> like, I'm not even kidding. Like, that's really By the good. way, they definitely did not have the thing you're referring to in mind when they made this. And it works out super good, particularly uh, when... So, Eddington, like you said, sabotages the thing, mm-hmm. admits to it. Yep. And then tell Cisco that he would still like to serve with him. Yes. Like he was following orders and he promises he'll uh, be a good boy from now on. Yeah, and and then... Cisco says he has a policy not to question yes. the word of a Starfleet officer. So, you know, if Eddington ever betrayed him in any way, <laughs> yeah. you'd think that would really hurt. After they've had this conversation and Cisco already gave him a second chance. Yes. Anyway, yes. that probably won't happen. Yeah, and it's exactly right. They have no idea they're going to do this. So you can't actually give them credit, but it works out super good. Um... Anyway, uh, Cisco's like, nah, we're still doing the mission. By the way, Cisco had that shit with Cal Hudson already, so he should be questioning that policy. Yeah, it's a fool me once, fool me twice situation. Um, yeah. He tells O'Brien to f- fix the shit, and O'Brien looks like he's gonna kill Eddington, but he goes to fix the shit. Um, Garrick interrogates Odo uh, and tells him he just needs one secret. He's got this device that makes it so Odo can't shapeshift, and it's very uncomfortable for him because it's time to turn into a goo. Um, just t- tell him one thing he hasn't told Starfleet before, and then he'll he'll let him rest or whatever. Um, Odo breaks and says his big secret is that he wants to live with his changeling family, you know, in the Great Link. Not the his, his actual big secret. Yeah, he changelings can perfectly impersonate solids. <laughs> It'd be great if he. I'm very said bad it. at it, and they're very good at it, and that is the big secret that I apparently have been keeping from people. Uh huh. Uh, Garrick goes... Anyway, check everybody on this ship right now. Because, <laughs> well, that's a thing that they can do. And now that you guys know that, do your due diligence. At this point, these guys are being such a-holes to him, he's probably hoping they all get killed. Yeah, that's uh, true. Garrick lets him become goo again. Uh, Defiant is repaired and back on their way. Uh, the big cloaked fleet reaches the Founder's homeworld and decloaks and attacks. They do in one of them bombardments from orbit. Uh, turns out the founders were sending out some fake signals, and nobody's actually there. Uh, instead, there's a big ambush, and 150 Jemadar ships ambush the fleet and begin the, the murder. Yep. Uh, Garrick can see they're definitely going to lose this fight, and um, goes to free Odo and make an escape attempt. The Romulan buddy from earlier, he shows up and reveals... You haven't mentioned him yet. <laughs> no, I said it earlier. They're, with, they're hanging with their their new Romulan oh, buddy. All right. His name is Lovok, and he's a colonel. His name's Colonel Lovok, and he's played by the guy who was in Detroit and Enterprise, however many weeks ago <laughs> that was. Um, the This guy shows up. Fuck! I can't believe they did that dumb episode, Carpenter Street. The one that I had to give points because they were trying things uh, in the cinematography? 
yeah. but otherwise was a total miss. It wasn't about anything. Nope. Yeah, that's fine. Uh, anyway, Romulan shows up and reveals he's also a changeling, and um, he kind of set up the whole attack in order to get rid of these two dangerous intelligence agencies. So uh, no, well, it was Tane's attack, but once they heard about it, they, they were like, "Oh, this yes. is a great. <laughs> we can use this to our advantage." So um, he's obviously not going to kill Odo because no changeling has ever harmed another or whatever. So he's going to let uh, Odo and Garrick go, I guess, because he knows earlier Garrick was going easy on Odo. Um, he he uh, weirdly does not tell the Jem'Hadar to lay off that runabout, though. <laughs> no, he doesn't pass the order along. I guess if they kill him, they're in trouble, not him. Yeah, <laughs> He doesn't care. It's true. He can make a big show of executing those Jem'Hadar. <laughs> That's right. Doesn't matter. Um, uh, anyway, so Odo heads for the runabout and Garrick goes back to save Tane. He should have brought him down there the first time. He was going to make his escape attempt, right? Anyway, Tane uh, refuses to leave the bridge and is muttering a whole bunch of nonsense about how he should have known it was Sovak or whatever. Anyway, Odo comes up and knocks Garrick out to take him back to the runabout. And uh, as they get in the way, they get attacked, as you said, by some some other Jem'Hadars. And the Defiant shows up and decloaks and saves them and blows the shit out of all these Jem'Hadar ships and then blasts its way out. And they go home to DS9, where Garrick, I guess, has to get used to his dumb tailor life again. Yeah, the relative power of the Jem'Hadar ships never makes any sense to me. Yeah, dude. Like, in episode they one, they were real, real bad on the Defiant. In the, when they first met, the first time they met them, they took a Galaxy class ship out in like nine seconds flat. Right now, they're not doing such a great job of def- destroying the fleet. Like there are a lot of ships left. Yeah. at the end of when we see them, and also the Defiant cuts them up like butter. Yeah, those fucking pulse phaser things—they just fucking they, a couple shots will blow up all those fuckers. Yeah. So, yes. I guess it's a good thing they brought 150 of them. <laughs> yes. I mean, I, I'm guessing I, they've been trying to keep track of all of the data on their previous encounters. Though, again, the Jem'Hadar got to just hang on to the Defiant for like a week. Yeah, they really should know everything about the Defiant. I don't, huh? Yeah, I don't know how that has not come back to haunt them. Anyway, what was this episode about? Oh, boy. I uh, don't live in the past or don't prioritize your past over your present. Uh, Tane and Garrick are both jumping at the chance to return to their former lives to make things as they once were. Mm. And they're making either mistakes or at least doing things they regret along the way, right? They're, they're trying to recapture their past glory. Odo, Odo has some of the same motivations as Garrick. Like there's a sense in which they both want to go home Mm -hmm. to states that they are sort of exiles from but he doesn't make the same decision yeah um i think that there's not a lot of utility in this take i don't think that this applies broadly but i don't hate it i gave it a down the middle five yeah i had um people will go to almost any length to feel like they belong um just based again on what Odo and Garrick have in common and what they talk about having in common in this episode. For me, it was a clear take that took no work and was at least hinting at a complex issue involving things like uh, war crimes or prejudice or lots of other bad stuff people do just to, like, be with the crowd, just to be with their own or whatever. Um, Like, uh, Garrick fucks up Odo's shit and is willing to abet a genocide if it means acceptance by his weird spy daddy. 
Yeah. Odo's super secret wish, I guess, was to go back to the founders despite their craziness. And I guess they, it seems like it's built into his being that he wants to go back. And he. Yeah, well, also, he had that amazing liquid sex. Yes. He, with the main founder. The great that link. That one time. And he wants to get into that fucking great link again. He even forgives Garrick for almost killing him because he recognizes this need in himself. So, yeah, it was a six for me. Um,. Ben gave it a six as well. He came up with loyalty as a choice. Garrick sides with Tane and tortures Odo, but all the while tries to protect him as much as possible. The founder saves Odo out of some kind of racial loyalty. And then uh, Odo goes back to save Garrick out of, he says, friendship with a question mark, which is a good question. Why does he go back to save Garrick? (laughs) Who has betrayed him at every turn. Yeah, I just don't think he wants to talk to Cisco about it. Ah. Well, um, execution, turning it around. Ben also gave it a six. I got a cool look at a fleet. Um, Again, DS9 doesn't do anything to stop the fleet going by. Uh, That was not a fight Deep Space Nine could win. Yeah, what are they going to do? Shoot up that whole fucking fleet of warships? Um, Cisco let uh, Eddington go back to work after he sabotaged the ship. It's a very Starfleet of him. It's true. It's, Kira definitely would say that to other Riker if he had made that same decision. Right. Uh, Lovok isn't a great actor, but I really enjoyed his scene in the doorway confronting Garrick's choice to protect Odo. He he says, and I thought this too at the time, that he does sound more Vulcan than Romulan in this thing. This guy, yeah. Lovok, comes off as like a Vulcan kind of dude. Uh, I forgot that he was a changeling. I knew that this uh, fleet wouldn't work, but I forgot why. Yeah. Um, from the first time I saw it and, uh, but I I couldn't tell the thing is Romulans on deep space nine have been portrayed so badly. Like they've had such bad actors play Romulans except for Fresca wasn't sure. Yeah. So I just wasn't sure what was happening. Like, is this, is, am I supposed to be clued in that there's something weird going on with Lovok? Well, again, and it's a two parter with different cast in each episode. So this guy wasn't even in the last episode. He just shows up here. Uh, Ben liked that it was uh, a trap. He likes a smart opponent. It's much scarier if there's someone who seems not only they have powerful technology, I guess, but also like, um, you know, uh, are going to outthink them. Um, He says it's a wild leap to think that Lovok would abandon the bridge to go down to engineering and put Tane in charge. Yeah, he's doing these notes real time. Yeah. Oh, okay. I get it. Wow. This is a good twist ending and it makes up for the other crap that came before. (laughs) Uh, and then he likes how powerful the Defiant is um, uh, when it's taking on a few of, a few ships, but gets messed up when it takes on a whole bunch of them. Uh, I also gave it a six. They didn't have time to get deep into the psychological stuff, so there are a few surface conversations. It's mostly a plot episode. Um, despite everything we've come to learn about Garrick, this episode has both Tane and Odo suspecting his devotion to Tane mm-hmm. and the Obsidian Order the entire time. So I think the character is supposed to be maybe losing his abilities, <laughs> his lying abilities. Yeah, because could be. Odo doesn't see it. I mean, Odo doesn't believe him. Tane doesn't believe him. Uh, weirdly, after the pace was so slow in part one, this second half seems very rushed. Like Yeah, well, again, they could have spread it out better if they'd known. Yeah, like the interrogation scene even is so brief. So you get one scene where they're starting 
the yeah, he turns on the device and the smash cut back to uh, Odo that's like falling apart. And in that scene, which is only a few minutes long, Odo breaks and is allowed yep. to become a... In my memory, that was like the whole episode he was being interrogated. But, well, that would make more sense. Yeah, but instead he breaks in one scene. Um, interesting that that last scene after they're back at the tailor shop is shot entirely on Garrick's face with Odo just in the mirror behind him. Mm-hmm. I wondered if they were saying Odo and Garrick are like mirror images of each other or if it just seemed like it looked cool. Well, I I don't know. Boy, it's hard to guess if the director was intentionally making that parallel, but the writers are definitely putting them are, are definitely making them parallel in their desire to go home mm-hmm. in some like they they definitely are intended to be similar characters. They're both uh the fish out of water on this station, right? Yeah uh okay so overall it was mostly a plot episode but the plot was at least interesting one group of clever villains the tall Shiar and the obsidian order that's bested by another group of clever villains the dominion with starfleet and our crew kind of tangentially involved yep um i i've i enjoyed watching it and it feels like it'll have plot impact moving forward based on all of the threatening stuff the uh changeling says at the end there so right six yeah. for me uh, I'm one behind you again here. I'm a five. Okay. Uh, a long, probably overblown, triumphant shot of Defiant leaving the station on its little mission. Yep. With lots of triumphant version of the theme music and everything. Uh, you can tell that this show is not comfortable with big battle sequences because we only see short, limited sections of fighting in this one. Mm-hmm. In a in a battle where supposedly 20 huge ships are fighting 150 little ships, we often see one ship taking damage while an undamaged ship does nothing in the background. (laughs) Yes. I know it's budget purposes and they weren't yet working with, uh, CGI ships. So they couldn't, they couldn't do it cheaply. Right. Wait, they weren't. No, that must've taken so many models. Uh, so, I mean, yes, but also they just used, like, transparencies uh, of pictures of the models and stuck them in in the back. Right. It's one of the reasons why they're so static. Um, but anyway, there's going to be more big battles, so yeah. this is, this is really, this is basically the first one. Like, there were, the last time there were this many ships together was at Wolf 359, and we don't see that at all because we're not with the ship that's at Wolf 359. We right? only so. see it in the pilot of DS9. Right. Yeah. Uh, I think the Lovok reveal would work better if he was more of a character. Mm-hmm. He never feels like he's Tane's equal in this one. He's just a guy who's around. Uh, and the Eddington betrayal bit, actually seems like it's just there for timeline purposes to like keep defined away yeah. for a few extra hours but since we don't the clock doesn't mean anything in this one we don't know the travel time for any of the ships so this is unnecessary yeah they could have just maybe not figured out odo was with the fleet for a little while longer or whatever uh, again it works out better in the whole ds9 arc that there's this eddington loyalty mm-hmm. issue but that's an accident uh, oh, there was one bad scene here also where uh, on the bridge when it's getting pounded where Tane is talking quietly and Garrick is just screaming in his ear. <laughs> yeah, it's a real... Yeah, Tane is in uh, Fast and the Furious. 
He thinks right. you can just talk at a normal volume while the shit's yes. going on. And he's doing a normal, somewhat dramatic, like he's a little bit, he is resigned because he is going to lose his life here. Mm-hmm. His ambition meant that he wasn't as cautious as he should have been. He didn't learn the lessons of his own past, et cetera, et cetera. And Garrick is just screaming, <laughs> Enobren! <laughs> yes. He's like, it's going to be pretty loud in here, right? Andrew Robinson yeah. is like, it's probably just like shit exploding and stuff. I better scream. Um, overall, I'm a five on execution. I actually, it could, it obviously could have been done better, but you know, when you watch it to the context of this week, it seems pretty good. Yeah, this one didn't uh, rise to the level of some of the the best episodes. Yeah. Um, world building. world building. Uh, ben gave it as many as six. That's a lot for world building. Yeah, 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 yeah. He says it's insane to him that there are Starfleet tech crews on the Defiant all the time trying to re-engineer the cloaking device. Like reverse engineer it? Reverse engineer it, yeah. Uh, Even if it never leaves the ship. Uh, I think maybe he means that there aren't. Yes, I think that's true. I think think that must be the sense that he means there. Yeah, they're always just like, I don't know, the cloak works and that's all we know about it. He says, wouldn't the Romulans also be able to detect their own cloak technology? I don't think the they're Romulans looking. ever worry about where the Defiant is in this one. They look, they got problems. By the time the Defiant shows up, they got yeah. problems. He says, uh, it's bonkers that the wormhole isn't guarded by like huge auto cannons or whatever. Yeah. There's a massive fleet on the far side and they have not put any. Yeah, there's a, they have not attempted to defend the wormhole. Yeah, they don't even have. Yeah, maybe for religious reasons, who knows? <laughs> we talk about it all the time that there are not even any other ships there. We talk about it all the time that there's no admiral and there's no fleet. He has to wait for reinforcements to show up. Yep. Why? Yeah. That should be a base. He's a six on world building. Um, I also am a six. Okay. We have uh, quantum stasis fields to prevent shape-shifting mm-hmm. this is maybe the first piece of technology that could be used against the founders oh i hope we see it again they have projected that the jemhadar would fall within a few days without the founders producing white yep they don't call it catracel white yet because they haven't invented those words but yes the idea is here um the obviously the crippling of the obsidian order and the tall shiar by this mission it lovok seems to believe that they're crippled we don't actually know how much of a commitment of their resources this is although there's reason to expect it would be a large one yes he is so confident he says that the romulans and cardassians are out of it entirely even though this is a black project on behalf of those two and it is not actually their main military forces but that's how much he thinks these are important intelligence i don't know why that should be it's like tomalock's still out there that's right tomalock and fucking tay Tay and Tabok. Tabok probably got his own ship by now, right? Tabok's probably a full commander and by then now. Yeah. That lady commander. Uh, What's her name? The one who. Um, uh, uh, either one the, of them. Either one of them played by the same lady. <laughs> yeah, the two of them played by that same lady. Or did she get blown up? Nah. Nah. They sent the codes over, but they left. So they left just in case the Romulan engineers weren't good enough, yes, right? Yeah. Uh, and again. The Venerine, the lady who serves bad yes. Venerine, according to Troy. Yeah, and the Cardassians uh, too. I mean, again, they're not that strong anyway. Yeah, but. Dukat, the whole second second order, right, yeah. is definitely still around. Um, 
but and also of course the hint that Lovok drops that there are plans in the works to take the Federation and Klingons off the board also. He doubts that either of them will be much of a threat for much longer or whatever. Yeah. So uh Yeah, so there this episode definitely is advancing is doing world building here for sure. So yep. I give it as many as a six. I agree. Starship Portland. The Romulans worry that traveling faster than warp six will allow the Geminar to detect them through their cloak. Uh, yellow uniform on an admiral? Yep, 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 yep. This fleet is supposed to be able to destroy the planet's crust in an hour and the mantle in five. Uh, this new device that prevents a shapeshifter from a shape of shifting. Garrick knows Odo's goo cycle and waits until it's changing time to use his device. Yep. Odo's nasty form when he can't shift. Uh, Lovok uh, as a changeling infiltrator. I wonder if it's the same one Odo met. Mm, he would have said so, probably. He beams out still as a Romulan, so we never do see. Uh, he would have. Uh, he would have said something. Yeah. Would have said something nasty about Kira on his way out. If it had been <laughs> you the fucked same Kira one. yet, punk bitch? How's that? Uh, how's that whole thing going? Bye. <laughs> uh, Quark wants to open an Argelian massage (parentheses sex) facility. Definitely implied to be. Sex. Too sexual. Uh, yes, the implication, the big part. The implications about the power of the Cardassian and Romulan intelligence services moving forward um, and the remaining threats from the Alpha Quadrant, they really imply this will pay off in some way. So for me, it was a five. Um, characterization. Ben's pick of the week. Hi, this is Ben Town, your remote Star Trek edition correspondent with my pick of the week. Pick of the week. It's a seven for Ben. Uh, he says, Bashir really is a pompous windbag, eh? Yep. <laughs> they've, yeah, but they've done three years trying, on that. He's just trying to have the same relationship he has with Garrick with O'Brien, which is a weird call that he should have known would never work yeah but again it's not even like we get cool and tng o'brien who would at least like have something witty or fun to say this one just stuffs his face and looks kind of dour the whole time oh he repeats something his mother said to him once maybe doing an impression of her but that <laughs> bashir's never met her <laughs> are you doing a bit um fine to watch theater but to have opinions that you share with everyone nah uh, Bashir's reduced to lunching with O'Brien. Oh no, I don't remember if we met Odo's security second in command, but he's a bit of a biter, isn't he? Addington? Yeah. yeah. Well, there was a... Not we. Not only did we meet him, but Odo threatened to resign. Yes, we met him. When he came aboard. It's just been... They treated yeah. him like Garrick and he didn't come back for a long time. Yeah, he just has not been around. Tane and Garrick have an almost tender moment. Cisco thinks it's a good idea to take the only ship they have there into the Gamma Quadrant. The only ship that has, A, shown to be a match for the Dominion, and two, is within a day's travel of DS9 and Bajor. <laughs> yes, yep. Cisco just does a fucking crazy in this one. Well, and he fully expects to have to face at least a board of inquiry about it. Uh, he's, uh, he's just lucky Admiral Tobman is embarrassed that he thought the Romulans and Cardassians were going to win. <laughs> yep. Uh, he says Cisco's a trusting dill hole. Uh, Odo really does want the Great Link. Interesting. And uh, he loves the acting job from Garrick in the interrogation chamber. Um, Odo punches like a ton of bricks. Well, I, we don't really know how his biology works, so maybe he became bricks. Yeah, it's... 
Who who knows? Because it's very it's very unclear what Odo is or how he operates. Yeah, one of Garrick's huge uh, Cardassian orbitals gets hit crazy swollen and black. I remind you that he can become a wine glass that Rom can carry. <laughs> Among the many things that he can be, that the mass doesn't add. You just go, what happened? How did he do it? It's a real magic trick. Um, he's looking forward to Garrick and Odo breakfast. I wonder if we'll ever see any of those. And Garrett considers himself a very good tailor, but uh, it's sad because he's accepting that he can't go home to Cardassia after all. Um, my, I also had it as a seven. Uh, O'Brien isn't as stimulating as Garrick for Bashir's dumb lunches. Uh, again, O'Brien was definitely going to kill Eddington on Defiance Bridge because he's power play O'Brien. Yeah. He's like, you made us... Help us in front of the Jem'Hadar or whatever. Like, you made me have to do my job. <laughs> right. I thought I was just going to sit here and push some buttons. Marjan note. Is Garrick a good bad guy or a bad good guy? Oh, man. I mean, is life art? There is art life. <laughs> <laughs> it's true, because he does a lot of bad stuff, for sure. Garrick has done cold murders, yeah. and it is 100% in character that he would torture Odo. Mm-hmm. I think you're supposed to like him anyway. So he's a good bad guy. I think so. Okay. Um, Garrick's very fond of that old lady, Mila. He asks... Yeah, well, I have a theory about that. Oh, boy. He ascertains that his interrogation... No, I'm not in theory corner. I just... Is she his mom? Oh, boy. Oh, man. Everything happening... Everything with Tane is so complicated. That it's hard to uh, say. We won't find out for a little while. I mean, we don't even know that Tane's is real. Oh, uh, yeah. Spy fucking daddy. spoiler alert. Tane's is spy Tane daddy. survives. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah, sorry. Double spoiler alert. Double yeah, spoiler couple, alert. Couple of spoiler alerts. Tane is also Garrick's dad. Tane survives the attack and also he's Garrick's dad. So, yes, I don't know. Hard to say. But the way. Does Mila. Mila would know because the way she treats him in the later seasons is just that he's like a nice boy. Oh. And okay, not like maybe. her long lost son. I don't know. Hard to say. Uh, he ascertains that this interrogation of Odo is a loyalty test and goes through with it. Um, he also tries to go back and save Tane despite everything. When he thinks they're dead meat, Garrick apologizes to Odo, which I guess must mean it's some kind of genuine feeling. Ducat and that business with the arms merchants. Say what? Yeah. What does that mean? It is. Uh, it is a weird little scene here where... Garrick is like, I particularly looking forward to sticking it into Gul Dukat's face. Yeah. And it seems like Dukat is not Tane's enemy at all. No. Whatever's going on between Dukat and uh Garrick does not have anything to do with Tane. Yeah. And we never do get the backstory on that, so this is something that I guess was supposed to be hinting at it, but I wonder what that business with the arms merchants okay is. Devil goes in him, so like <laughs> at that point, who cares? <laughs> oh yes. It's true. All of the character work for Ducat ends up being meaningless when a devil goes in him. He gets a devil in him? There's no real point anymore to having him have character traits when you're just going to put a devil in him. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, that just thought since we're doing spoilers. Sure. Oh, sure. Yeah, there's a devil in him. For sure. God. Say season seven's going to be hard on this one, too. We're going to be doing season seven TNG and DS9. Yeah, it's going to be which is the best episode. Be like, the episode where Goldicott gets a devil in him <laughs> or the or Dark Page. Uh, let's see. Cisco says, fuck orders. Let's go save Odo. 
every time we've gone into the Gamma Quadrant to deal with the Jemadar, it's gone super good. We always win. It's gone just a hundred percent success rate. Eddington hasn't been around in a long time, but he uh, sticks to Starfleet regs and tries to force Cisco into abandoning an unsanctioned mission. But then says, "Okay, my bad. Don't be mad though. I'll help from now on." Odo is not impressed by the idea of somebody torturing him, but then has to come face to face with physical fear and pain thanks to this mm-hmm. new device. Yeah, I liked the idea that that might be new for him. He breaks pretty quick and says his yeah. secret desire is to go back to the founders whether or not that's entirely the truth it, i think spoiler alert spoiler alert later on that definitely becomes a problem um he sees garrick's desires uh to belong again in the way he used to and he sees it in himself um so you know work was done i gave it a seven i have a few just a few sort of little nags yeah. about characterization in this one. Um, Cisco's assumption that he'll be able to find and rescue Odo is a little reckless. Yeah, and then he goes, and if we mess up, yeah, we'll just go home. Yeah. It's like, uh, I mean, not if you get blowed up. And then I thought maybe Garrick was a little too soft in this episode. Yeah, the Garrick who just ices dudes. We've seen him do it a bunch of times, is the thing. I think in... Now, they weren't dudes he liked. In three years? Let's be clear about that. Could he already have gone soft in three years? I wonder. Yeah. And then I feel like Odo and Garrick becoming friendly at the end seems like too much too soon. I agree. I get that Odo can understand a lot of what Garrick is going through, but like he also tortured him. He also did a torture and made him reveal his deep, dark secrets. Maybe that's he's why he's going to be of, friendly with him. Kind of responsible for them being on this whole run. Oh, I should say. So in that last scene, he's like, thanks for not putting it in your report, Garrick. I don't know why Garrick gets the right one, too. But thanks for not putting it in your report, that thing I said about trying to be with the Dominion again. Yeah. So maybe he really either does feel indebted or afraid. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. Um. So... I only gave it a four. Oh, okay. No, so we're a little bit, we're a little bit farther apart uh, in terms of uh, characterization there. What about quick ones? Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, ben says uh, Odo's makeup is a zombie job. Mm-hmm. Hot take number one: Garrick didn't actually need to go back to save Odo because Lovok already was going to do that. So it turns out that. Garrick's gesture was symbolic, and Odo's going to the bridge for Garrick was necessary. I mean, yeah, but Garrick didn't know that Lovok was going there. Yeah, but I'm still so confused about what Garrick did. He's like, I'm going to go get Odo, and we're going to leave. But then we're going to get in our unguarded runabout and take off. But then he goes, hold on, I have to go back and get Tane. And it's like, yep. why didn't you just bring him down with you if your plan was to leave? Why do you? That's a a good question. You just made an extra trip during this battle. Maybe didn't even think about going back up for Tane until he'd heard Lovok's confession. I mean, and I realized that the whole the whole thing was screwed. Yeah, I mean, I've, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Hard to say. Um, quick hitters. These uh, DS9 mugs hmm. must be real hard to clean out. <laughs> Sloping away like that. Yeah. <laughs> from the from the opening. That's true. They're like straight down for the first three inches, and then they angle out. And, like, if you get some coffee, (laughs) 
in that corner. Yeah. How you fucking getting it? That's right. You no implement works. You're like using pipe like, cleaners and shit. You're like, why isn't it working? In universe, I assume they just stick the whole mug back in the replicator and it just disappears, and they just make a new one the next time they get coffee. But like, if you're the props guy, yeah. Or if you got to take a swig of something out of one of those mugs in season six, oh yeah, like, you got to be like, there's there's dried up crap from season two still in here. Yeah, two things. I'm not drinking out of this, so I'll fake drink out of it. And two, I'm going to put my hand right here so you can't see the huge stain <laughs> down here. Uh, will Cisco and Dax ever get better at recognizing a cloaked ship approaching? <laughs> They're not great at it. They had to call O'Brien. <laughs> they had to call him up from fucking lunch because they didn't know what it was. Hey, there's a bunch of Tetrions moving right towards the station. Are we good? Do we know what this is? What do you think it Could is? Could you come? Can you come here? They don't. And as usual, they don't tell him what it is. They don't. Yeah. They don't want to get his wrath or whatever. Uh, like you, I asked, have we ever seen an admiral in Operations Yellow before? That was kind of crazy to look at. I saw that guy in yellow, and I was like, that uniform looks weird. What is it? And I went, oh, he's a fucking admiral. And it's weird too. That he is a he's there he's a spy he's an intelligence guy yeah is that just and an operations in, thing? that's an operations <laughs> yeah. that's in the operations division intelligence that's right I, it seems like it should be with command yeah, you think so but. but I guess because security is operations I guess I mean later Something on like Worf Worf becomes a strategic operations officer and goes right to red from yellow I'm just saying mm. uh. Odo's big secret isn't that he's the worst shapeshifter in the guy. I already covered that yeah, one. Yeah, yeah. That Romulan bridge is real cramped, huh? Yeah, you know, that's the opposite of the one we saw Tabok and Tayon, where it appeared to go on almost endlessly into the back. <laughs> it was yeah, like, well, a, this one's it was like different. again, walking into that Tesla factory and just looking back and seeing desks all over the place going, what is this, a fucking airplane hangar? It must be. Uh, like a conference room where they have a collapsible wall, they have a, like a rollaway wall. Oh, yeah. And T-Buck and Tay had it open for effect, but like, hey, we're going to go into shooting. You got to close all the walls. It's a fire hazard. We're going to contact Starfleet now. Hold on. Let's open it up. Make it look real good on the view screen. They'll be like, my God, the ship is massive. Look how far back their bridge goes. Is that good, Tay? Yes, that's good. I'm Tay. I think that's a good idea. <laughs> they're going to they're gonna be so impressed by our big show. All right, Tay. Let's, I know. Great. When, Save it for the, the fucking communications with fucking Starfleet. Who's who do you like better, Tay or Kazago? <laughs> well, as we know, these are my senior <laughs> pictures, Riker. <laughs> Riker, I'm holding a guitar because I like the guitar, Riker. In this one, I have a paintbrush. They told me Riker, to they wanted head, me to hold a basketball, but I don't play basketball, I tilted, Riker. I tilted my head too much in this one. He told me to tilt it, but didn't correct me when I tilted it too much, Riker. <laughs> I had to wear overalls. It's a fun shoot. <laughs> when the um, when the Jem'Hadar spring their trap, and they're like how many Jem'Hadar ships the woman hesitates so long that I thought it was going to be a lot more than 150 <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say now 10,000 150 is a lot sure in Starfleet especially, the, I mean Star Trek 
even though they're described as Jem'Hadar fighters, mm-hmm. 150 is still a lot of them. Yeah, but, especially since we saw three of those things kill that Galaxy-class starship. Well, they had to ram it. Uh, I don't think they had to. They were doing a pretty good job. I think okay, they well, they for it, sure did ram they it. They rammed it for kicks, and you can tell because everyone in the show went, why'd they even do that, though? And they went, just to fucking scare us. <laughs> um, Yeah. I guess getting Odo and Garrick back means Starfleet Intelligence at least knows what happened out there, but I still would have expected Toddman to be angrier about the whole defiant thing yeah he said he's like oh, i'll have to uh, fucking bring you up on charges or promote you i don't know <laughs> which one what is starfleet yeah i gave best actor to odo worst actor to lovok and but he was in detroit what about you he was in detroit though he's our detroit i buddy. get it i liked him in detroit Motor city I didn't like him in detroit either all right um Bashir. Is this what a human life costs in the 21st century? I'm T-Paul. I'm going <laughs> to damn near murder you for I, smoking a cigarette. I'm bad cop in this one. I don't know why. I'm the bad cop. No one can explain what is happening in this episode. Uh, Bashir and O'Brien are dating, I guess. There's <laughs> a lot of stuff from Bashir about how O'Brien should just say something. Are you listening? I'm talking to you. Do you even hear what I said? What I say then? What do you think about it? Tell me what you think about what I said. And O'Brien's like, look, woman, I'm just trying to eat a sandwich. And don't try to feed me any of that seaweed crap. <laughs> don't try to put anything in there that's from the ocean. Uh, again, this uh, Romulan guy is the guy from Detroit. Uh, Garrick says Odo would definitely have reported everything to Starfleet already, so no need to interrogate him. Nah, though, we know he didn't. We know Odo doesn't report everything to Starfleet. Yeah. This admiral in the end, Todman, is super insensitive and says what happened to the Romulan Cardassian fleet was like Wolf 359. Hey, bro. Cisco's wife died there. His wife died right in it. Why do you say that to him? Does he not know that? I think that's common knowledge. Like, he just says it I to mean, him and Cisco just looks at him like, uh-huh. You'd think the intelligence guy should know. That's fucking wild. You should have seen somebody in the back. Dax should have been in the background wincing. That's it. We did it. We did the whole thing. We did do the whole thing. Uh, it's quite a week, huh? It wasn't a good one. I wouldn't say it was one of the good ones. The uh, the average premise score was 4.6. Mm. Um, that's combined? That's the worst. Worst it's ever been. Uh, <laughs> now, it is a four-way tie. There have been four 4.6s. Oh, okay. But that ain't good. And... Um, for you, the average score this week was a 10.4. Mm. And that's... That's uh, not amazing. It's got one of those underlines under it. It's your worst week. <laughs> this is the worst week for you. I knew when I had one of those underlines, it wasn't good. And not a great week for me, but I have scored them worse. Um, yeah, I gave Harbinger a four. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, four is bad. Uh-huh. In... Uh, Last place this week, since you bring it up, mm-hmm. Enterprise Harbinger, 10 points. Um, so 10 bad. is extremely bad. It's That's an bad. extremely bad score. <laughs> now, we have had other 10 recently that was through the looking glass. Yeah, it was bad too. So it's not unprecedented, but 10 is bad. In uh, fourth place this week with a mere 15 points, mm. Voyager worst case scenario. It was now you and I agreed that this was actually the second most pleasant one to watch. That's right. <laughs> this was such a bad week that Voyager was actually like 
it was easier for me to watch than TOS, TNG, or Enterprise. Still extremely bad in third place with 18 points. Also, TOS, wink of an eye. But can I just say about worst case scenario that that was a lie because we've seen worse Voyager episodes. So I can't even say it really was the worst case scenario because there was Twisted or whatever. Oh, no, no, not at all. Uh, favorite son in week uh, 61 scored nine points. Mm, was that the one where Kim thought he was one of those aliens? And the, Yeah, that's that one. The ladies hit him with sticks. Yeah. God damn it. That's exactly what that was. All right, sorry. So you were saying uh, 18 points, wink of an eye. 18 for wink of an eye. Yep. Uh, second place this week with 23 points, which is a damn poor show mm-hmm. for second place, frankly. TNG Captain's Holiday. Uh, I was five points ahead of you on this one. Yeah, you thought it was bad, and I just thought it was worse. Trash. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But the winner... With 44 points, DS9, the die is cast. And that is not a bad score. Yeah, it's all right. And Deep Space Nine uh, racks up its 18th win. Damn. Which means it is now in clear second place. Second place in points, second place in wins. It's, um... Look, we know TOS has been sliding for a while. As long as Deep Space Nine is going to put out a quality episode every once in a while... TOS ain't getting it back. That's second place. Yeah. That's not going to happen. Yeah. And there are, again, where we have about 12 more chances. Oh, are we really so. that close? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, it feels Episodes good. Uh, week 79 is going to be the last uh, Star Trek week. That means 13 more. Because <sighs> got to include 67. We, we yeah, ain't done that one yet. Yeah, yep, yep, 13 of them. Um, next week. Okay. By which I mean next Star Trek week. Right. We are watching The Empath. Which one's that? It's an episode where they meet an empath, and in my <laughs> memory, she's got short hair, and she wears like a blue, a blue dress, and it's mostly filmed in a black box theater against a black background. Oh, this is going to be a real fucking blast. Okay. Now, that is my memory. I think her name is Jem. Uh, uh, that's all I remember about that episode. All right. We are watching Tin Man. Well, there's all I, I anticipate we'll have a lot to say. Danger, Gomtu. No, Billy boy, I wasn't distracted on Garushta. In my mind, Tin Man is like a season five episode. I can't uh, believe it's this early. See, I have it firmly planted in season three. And also, I have it firmly in a tie for last place with 150 other episodes. <laughs> <laughs> it's, I cannot believe it's going to score well, but I could be surprised. Well, we'll see. Yeah. Uh, Deep Space Nine, Explorers, Cisco and Jake have a father and son adventure with a solar sail. Yeah. That happened. Voyager, Scorpion Part 1, the third season finale. Yeah, we get to meet the Borgs. Everyone excited? And uh, Enterprise Doctor's Orders. Yeah. Sounds like a Phlox episode. Can't wait. Oh, it's not just a Phlox episode. It's it's one where, like, Phlox is awake and everybody else is in a coma. So. Oh, God. Yeah, I saw that. I read the little blurb. Oh, God, oh, no. I read the blurb after I finished the Enterprise and I went, Oh, you gotta be fucking kidding me. <laughs> Why that would you do very that? Bad. Who thought that was a good idea? Ah. So, who knows, man? Looking at this list, it seems like either Voyager's going to have a chance to uh, steal their third win, mm. if they can get some Borg stuff done, 
Or maybe Tin Man will take it, and won't that be a surprise? I don't know. Maybe we'll be really inspired by the single dadness of Explorers. Possible? I guess. It's possible? Well, we know that Avery Brooks is going to put in a good acting performance yeah. because he loves being a dad. The problem is it comes along with the flip side of having to have Jake. Yeah. <laughs> when you get true. Francisco, you also get Jake, and there's only one Jake. There's no good Jake. <laughs> well, we haven't seen him yet. God. Yeah, so that's what we're doing in two weeks, I guess. Next week is a a mailbag uh i've i've been stuffing the box and so well i shouldn't say that i've been stuffing the ballot box i should if i say it more specific it's not a sexual thing and um so has my wife and that's why i wanted to clarify before i said the part about my wife and so everyone else please send us mail don't make it about sex trying to avoid that that's at brother date on the twitter machine um send us some more of that great audio mail that's the good stuff. We got one last time and it was enjoyable. Yeah. He couldn't get his um uh he couldn't get his fucking Amazon machine to stop talking. Um, <laughs> that was the best. Uh that's uh brothers at brotherdate.com if you want to email us. Um you can check us out at brotherdate.com. You can find us on Stitcher as always. Um <laughs> So as you believe, so shall you do. So shall you so do. So shall you do. So as you believe, so shall you do. This old boy, he's a canary for whoever built these spheres, and he's been sent here to find out if they d- made the expanse good. <laughs> I don't think Archer's got a handle on it. <laughs> Please subscribe.